Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Ram Nutella podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode of the show is called... That's for you. It's your It's your name. Domo Arigato Planet Robobottle. Get it? I'm assuming this is the part where everyone starts responding to their recordings. Yes, I get it. Recording. Because it's like the song. It's like the we song. added an extra bow at the end, just like they added an extra bow to Robot. Because it's so clever that they did that. It's so clever. Oh, the 80s. Name is so dumb. The 80s were a clever time. But anyway, we're the reason. Oh, I'm talking about the title oh. of the game. Like, Planet Robobot. It's not even it's set on Planet say. Robobot. It's still it's, on Planet Popstar, but whatever. That That's true, actually. Yeah, it's just they're just terraforming it's just, yeah, it's terraformed, yeah. yeah. Or Dreamland, I mean. I mean, unless well, you go to Planet Robobot at some point, but they're coming to you, so I don't know, whatever. That, that's very true. So this episode of the show is dedicated to picking apart Nintendo's name of the new Kirby game and nothing else. It's two hours of just in-depth analysis of naming things. No, really, uh, this episode we're calling it that because we have impressions of the just-released Kirby Planet Robobot uh, for 3DS. We're talking about that tail end of the show. We also have a special treat at the tail end of the show um, because we've had the opportunity to see and play the upcoming Pokemon Go in its beta form. And we've had a prolonged period of time with it, like longer than what most of the publications that we're talking about on Friday had with it. So we're going to be talking in-depth early impressions of the game and how it works and the functionality. And this is the game, to be clear, that Nintendo is publicly revealing stuff about next wednesday at e3 but why wait till wednesday when you can listen to us tell you about it right now so we have that we have robobot we also have a lot of e3 news actually like everyone's clamoring to get all the third parties are clamoring to get all their news out prior to e3 so even though e3 is still a couple days from this going live we have third party news we have what's next for toys to life and the kind of interesting like branching path that skylanders and lego dimensions is taking to avoid a bubble burst and we have some indie news and some NX VR rumors and some May sales numbers. So it's a pretty packed pre-E3 episode, I'd say. Um, if you don't already do it or don't know about it, we do have timestamps at com for all the topics. So if you only want to hear us pick apart the Robobot name, you can jump to the end. Uh, if you only want to hear about NX VR rumors that are never going to be true, you can jump to the middle. That's all there for you. But first, with this episode being on the eve of E3, basically, like this comes out literally the night or the day before um, Sony and Microsoft's press conferences, I thought we should probably talk a little bit about like what's going on at E3 and maybe share some predictions. So, uh, I mean, you might be listening to this episode after E3 is over, if you're caught up in the rush of E3, and you might just laugh at how wrong we are about everything. But in this current world that we're recording in, E3 hasn't happened. So it's either see how wrong we are or join us in the predictions. Take your pick. Um, so yeah, that said... Uh, the thing that I find kind of interesting is that after all the hubbubaloo about Zelda and how it's the only thing that's going to be at Nintendo's booth and it's all they're going to show, we know that's now not quite the case and that opens the door to some interesting possibilities. So real quick, it turns out that while Nintendo will only be demoing Zelda at E3, they are now doing a 180 and saying they will have other games in the Treehouse live streams. So they're expanding it to Tuesday and Wednesday. The new second day on Wednesday has um, the Pokemon Go Q&A I mentioned along with uh, what Nintendo calls an assortment of Wii U and 3DS games, including Monster Hunter, Dragon Quest, and Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Why does... Oh, so uh, Nintendo lied and fans aren't mad at them? I guess they're just happy that the fans are happy they were heard. I don't know. But the thing that jumps out at me about that is the word including. Day one, they very specifically are like, we're talking Pokemon Sun and Moon, and we're talking Zelda, and Reggie will be there, and that's it. There's no including, there's no allusions to other things, but then day two, they put that pesky little including in there which makes me think they have a couple of surprises and again someone's gonna be listening to this on friday and be like 
there were no surprises. You're an idiot. But as of now, I feel like there's going to be surprises. So I don't know what that may be, but it seems like a good opportunity to even just demo some other announced games. I mean, they have Style Savvy Fashion Forward coming out. They have Metroid Prime Federation Force. They have the new Rhythm Heaven. They have the new Paper Mario Color Splash, which I, for some reason, have a weird feeling is delayed till 2017. I don't know why. It's just in the back of my mind. But regardless, they have all these things they could talk about. And instead, they're just picking three kind of more JRPG, RPG-ish things. Yeah, things that I would say don't really demo well. Yeah, which is why probably they're on the live stream. So that makes sense. But yeah. they could just as easily show Rhythm Heaven. And I'm sure you'd be happy if they did. A little. Can't say it would make me sadder, but yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So so even if they just show that, I guess that still counts as surprises. But I'm kind of hoping for like legit surprises. There's been rumors forever that Mother 3 was coming to Virtual Console. And they're now doing an eShop sale for E3. So they're already driving people over there. So why not just throw Mother 3 in there and give everyone a little surprise? Like, I, I don't know if they actually will, but this seems like the time to do it when they can capitalize on the attention. But, but yeah, I think, um, for me at least, the takeaway from this whole back and forth about Treehouse Live, and why I actually want to bring it up, is, is it just me or Nintendo? Like, it's starting to feel like they don't know what to do. Now that NX isn't coming in 2016, even though it never officially was, it really feels like they had everything on pace for 2016, and then they're like, oh, and now we're stuck with them scrambling, basically. Yeah, the just the whole E3 setup just kind of gives that impression. Yeah, because I mean, the last I mean, ever since they started doing their direct events or their Nintendo events, like they seem like they were full on, like, all right, we understand E3 inside and out, we're like gonna do it better than everyone else. And that seemed the case, like, for the last two years. And then this year, it's like, I don't know, yeah, it, it just seems so. Like, shoddily put together, like, their whole, I don't know, everything. Is, I mean, I'm sure know. the booth will be cool. I'm sure they're going to have some cool, like, Zelda setup, and we'll have a gallery with photos on the site. I mean, that is unless, like, the Zelda game is so amazing that we just have no idea how amazing it actually is. It could, it could be. be, like, so mind-blowingly epic that we, after after E3 is over, we'll be like, wow, E3 wasn't even enough to even <laughs> cover yeah. Zelda. Well, if those rumors, which, again, could, will be denied in two days, I'm sure, but if those rumors that it has 100 mini-dungeons is, is the case, then, yeah, we'd be barely scratching the surface mm, an hour. I don't know. Up. When I hear mini-dungeons, I just think, like, those little mini-dungeons in Wind Waker where you fall in the hole. Oh, look, there's, like, three-door uh, segments well, hopefully of it's more than that. fight a dark nut, fight another dark nut. Oh, there's right. a treasure chest with a heart piece. Hopefully it's more than that, but... I mean, but can it be more than that? I mean, at that point... Well, it depends. I don't know. Because, I mean, because Majora's Mask was only... They're saying, the rumor is there's four main dungeons and 100 mini dungeons. Majora's Mask was only four dungeons. Well, no, that was a meaty game. No, like saying, four true like types of... No, I was saying Wind Waker. I mean, Wind Waker had four oh, big yeah. dungeons and like over 50 or a right. whole bunch of mini, mini dungeons. dungeons. Like, I mean, expanding that doesn't necessarily make it better. It just makes the game longer. That's true. That's true. And well, longer we'll, we'll than, see, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, it might I mean, not even be true. That's what's funny as we're talking about it now. No, yeah. But who knows? Another in thing, in like, hours. I mean, maybe you'll have, like, game mechanics where, like, every dungeon is different. I mean, like, Wind Waker kind of did that. Some were yeah. time-based. Some were just combat. They're, like, know. challenge modes of Mario Sunshine, except in yeah. Zelda. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But but the point I was going to make, or the point you're making about Zelda, um, I think you're right. Because, like, the last couple of years, they did the Smash Bros. tournament. They did Nintendo World Championships. Even last year, E3, they didn't have much in terms of games. Like, everyone's like, it's a pretty lackluster lineup. But in many ways, it felt like Nintendo still won because they had all the f- like festivities going on. Like they connected with the gaming culture more. 
So it's really weird this year that this is the first time in three years we haven't gone to LA Live in the days before we yeah, could even do a Nintendo thing. It's kind of a shame thing. that they're not even doing a championship 2016 right? or something like that. Like the most we could do is Reggie, Kotaku saw Reggie walking around the plaza. So I guess we could go hunt Reggie. But that's not really a Nintendo-sanctioned event, so, <laughs> so I don't know. We can make an event of it on Facebook. Yeah, and um, make it. yeah, we could. I mean, it's a little too late now, a Reggie Safari. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Ranger, fine, Ranger Reggie. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's weird this year. And I think, like, it's nice to see them realize maybe people want more in Zelda and then retroactively add in these other games. But it just feels like they aren't fully listening because, like, even if they are listening, let's say they're not listening to feedback. Let's say they just changed their mind, which is possible. Okay. You have to still consider the fact, like everyone online is like, oh, they never said it was only Zelda. They did. The press release said they're focusing on Zelda. The E3 website for a month only showed Zelda. Didn't mention anything about other games. And then they, in the last two weeks, changed that. But let's say that was part of their plan. from, the, Or let's say that was a response to the fans. It wasn't part of the plan. They now realize, oh, fans want more stuff. Why are they not carrying that lesson to other things? Case in point, there's a new Play Nintendo Mall Tour this summer. They, uh, For those who don't know about the Mall Tours, if they don't come to your area, they have recent releases and upcoming releases. They go set up a booth, show off the games, have cool little things for kids or swag or that sort of thing. This year, the lineup of the booth is all like the old 3DS standbys. First of all, it's only 3DS, no Wii U, which is one kind of weird. But uh, here's what they have. Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Yoshi's New Island, Mario Kart 7, New Super Mario Bros. 2, and then on the more, like, recent, or before I even get to the recent stuff, Pokemon Auras, Sun and Moon come out in five months. They're for some reason showing Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire instead. Maybe they're priming the pump, I don't know, but, like, what? Why are you showing the wrong Pokemon? And then on the recent side, they have Yokai Watch and the just announced, or the just came out, uh, Planet Robobot. Why are they not showing Style Savvy? Why are they not showing Metroid? Why are they not showing Disney Art Academy that just came out? Why are they not showing anything? anything? Dragon Quest. Like, why is I understand some more kid oriented one, but so maybe not Metroid, maybe not Dragon Quest, but Style Savvy. Why I mean, not? I guess maybe they picked a lineup that they felt was like, all right, if someone were to buy a 3DS right now for their ten year old kid, what games do you think they would? Oh, buy that's them? definitely what they're doing. They're so. leaning on the old standbys, but like. If they're not promoting Metroid, if they're not promoting Style Savvy, if they're not promoting any of that at E3 for the core gamers, and not promoting it at the not-core gamer event, who is supposed to know this comes out? Who's supposed to know there's Metroid in six weeks? Uh, they showed it at WonderCon, and it just, like, vanished. I don't, um, It doesn't make sense to me. I guess they're just hoping the new games will get word of mouth, and these games are just for, I don't know, keeping the evergreen field yeah. screen? I mean, yeah, that's you're probably right, but they're like, it just strikes me as I weird. mean, no one else really does this kind of stuff besides Nintendo, I feel. That's true. I mean, you don't see Sony having events for, I don't know, uh, sports champions or something. You're true. That's true. Maybe I'm just getting used to the idea that Nintendo always did Which things a certain it, way, and now they're in not. In a way, this is kind of cool, then. They're like, all right, they're, they keep all the old games relevant. I mean, New Super Mario Bros. 2? Yeah. I mean, that's, man, that's, that's old. It is. I think the oldest of the bunch is uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Right? Yeah, that's... You know the uh, weird one, though? So, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, at the Rio Olympic Games, came out in March for 3DS and did not do well. Did not sell well. And the logic is, well, duh, the Olympics are in August. You know when this play Nintendo tour will be going on? All summer, including in August. You know what would be great marketing that kind of paid for itself? Hey, you know the Olympics on TV where everyone's dying from Zika virus? Check it out. We have a game about that with no one dying for your kids. 
Like, why are they not showing that game there? It just seems like a weird disconnect. The Wii version actually looks pretty fun. The Wii, the Wii version does. I, I, I may actually consider getting it. Oh, you may consider. Oh, that's I may better consider. than saying it, no it, outright. It, it, it may be the first Mario Sonic game I get. But uh, I'd be down to come to your house and play your copy at no expense to me. You're banned. Not well. I will have to pay. Could I do it like an arcade where it's like I give you a dollar and I get like a certain number of plays? Um, I'm going to look up the rates that these kind of console arcades do. It's like four and... bucks. Um, we'll revisit this. It's actually ten, but I'm trying to save six dollars. I shouldn't have said that out loud. We'll yeah. revisit this. Yes. No, but um, but yeah, like why are they not promoting that? It just seems like like I get Nintendo's going through a lot. They have all their management changes going on. Obviously, Satori Wada is not there, and they have Kimishima in his place, so there's that transition. They're switching from a one sole president making all the decisions to a board of directors making their decisions, like a normal Western company opposed to traditional Japanese structure. So that's probably causing some of this. Obviously, something went wrong with NX, and that might have played into this. They have all the IP expansion going on. They have all these things happening, so I can kind of get why they might be a little scatterbrained. But come on, Nintendo. Like This is, this is weird. So, now that I've said all that, <laughs> uh, I'm going to commend them for doing something good with their advanced advertising. What After they saying do? they did everything bad, they did one thing well, and that is, in my opinion, Pokemon Sun and Moon's constant rollout of new information. It's like every two weeks there's something. Hmm. That's the one game that they seem to know how to market, and maybe it's because Pokemon Company is doing most of it. But uh, just this last week, a second Sun and Moon trailer came out. And it highlighted the legendaries, the trainer customizations, and then the time since at, what was it, a Japanese tournament? Japanese World Championship stop or something like that? They showed off some other stuff. That, like, oh, uh, they showed, um, I don't know, I guess for a while, like, uh, we knew about this, the Zygarde forms. Right. And I thought, like, since Zygarde was a Pokemon from X and Y that, I mean, we knew about the existence of these when X and Y was still a thing before Aura. He was supposed to be the Z of X, Y, and Z, yeah. right? And we're like, okay, maybe he's just going to come out later down the line. Like, they did 2X and Y. They brought out some other Pokemon, like, after the game came out. Mm -hmm. And then Auras came out, and then, I don't know, still nothing. And I guess now they're coming out, which... But inside Sun and Moon, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, so I guess, I'm pretty sure Sun and Moon will have some sort of mechanic, just like Auras did, where it has these portals so you can get all your legendaries, because every Pokemon game now seems to be the... You don't have, like... Yeah, they've pretty much gotten rid of the reason why you need to have two versions. Right. Yeah, like before there was like some exclusivity. Now that seems too clear. Well, I gone. think because I think part of the logic. I mean, there, outside of the legendary, then money. I mean, do they well, make more the, money like that? Or? Yeah, some people double dip for sure. Yeah, but I think I oh, think good point, the, the logic double. of why they're scaling back the exclusivity, which is actually a really interesting point that you know, most people I guess don't really think about or talk about, is um, in my opinion, it's that online killed it. The whole point of having the multiple versions when they first did it was like you go to school with a link cable on your Game Boy and you have your buddy show up and give you an Oddish for your whatever or something like that. But mm. now if you can just trade with anyone online at any time, there's no reason for exclusivity in the versions. You don't need to bring a link cable to your friend and hope that they caught the Pokemon. Like it loses that like weird camaraderie aspect of Honestly, the game. The trading is less significant locally because in between specific versions because it's always available online for anything you want at any time. And it just occurred to me that with the, I guess, rise in, I guess, hacking and just in general, I mean, that's been kind of more rampant than ever. Oh, yeah. By, like, doing these, like, really fast rollups of, like, oh, here's a shiny legendary. Here's another shiny legendary. Right. Like, they're just giving us so many Pokemon. Or, there. like, for 20th anniversary, they're, they're doing one every two months. Yeah, it's like they're yeah. mitigating this, the, 
reason, any reason to even try to hack at this point? Well, because again, with competitively, online, I'm sure there's. Well, I shouldn't say there's. I'm sure there is. There are other reasons too. But remember, kids, hacking is not allowed. It's, yeah, it's not allowed. So yeah, be smart. Don't enter with a hack Pokemon. Yeah. For some reason, I want to reference the, like, this is your brain on drugs commercial. At least least breed that Pokemon. Yeah, at least hide the hack. Yeah. Pro tips. (laughs) How to hide your hack. But but speaking of legendaries, actually, the two new guys seem kind of cool. They're not quite what I expected. So there's the Sun and the Moon characters. There's uh, Soljaleo, I assume is how you say his name, who is the Sun Lion thing. Not a fire type. That was surprising. He is um, psychic and steel. And then you got the uh, Lunala. I assume as I pronounce it, which is, um, or Luna Law, which is the bat with the wings and also psychic, but psychic and ghost. Hmm. So not what they appear. Well, I guess that one makes more sense, but I, I kind of like that they didn't just do the generic, oh, of course the, the sun guy is going to be fire. Like that was kind of a nice little switch up. Although then his attack in the trailer still looks like fire. So it's like, um, what? <laughs> but. Well, they still need to mix it up with the starters, but. Oh, well, I don't think that's ever going to happen because those are yeah. like the most base level types you can get. Well, yeah, I mean... I mean, it would be cool if they had a psychic I mean, it's, it's, type. It's not like they have other triangles, but... Yeah, yeah, um, one day. Maybe one once day. they do whatever the third sun and moon game is. Pluto. Yeah, but it's probably... Like yeah, Pluto. It will probably never happen. You never know. It might be for NX. Or some sort of weird crossover one, like how Pokemon Crystal was like enhanced on Game Boy Color, but worked on Game Boy. Or was Crystal only for Game Boy Color? Crystal might have been only, actually. Might have been only. Yeah. But, but either way, so um, that's one thing they showed in the trailer, and Legendaries look pretty cool. And then they also uh, said there are actually four islands of Alola, which makes sense because it's like Hawaii, and your trainers can be customized like more so than even in X and Y, so that was kind of we already knew. But then there was this. Your Pokedex is alive. Yep, it's a Rodom, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's about time they mix that up a little. Like, it'll give you... It's not just like it's there and it's alive. It, like, gives table. you... It has personality, and it'll give you tips on where to go next. So it's almost like a hand-holding thing for players that don't understand. It's a Navi. It's, yeah. As long as it doesn't say, hey, look, listen all the time, we're good. But I think it's kind of cool. It feels, I don't know, it feels more user-friendly. Yeah, it definitely feels fresh. And considering, yeah. like, I love Rodom as a Pokemon, so that's pretty cool. Not enough to get me, like, full-on, yep, I'm looking forward to this game to buy. But it's, it's definitely cool. I feel like the more and more I hear about it, the more and more I'm into it. Like, the game as a whole. Like, even these little things, like, Rotomon's own is not enough to get me by. The Legendaries on their own are not enough. This QR thing I'm about to bring up are not enough. But together, together they form yeah. a game that is enough, I think. I mean, for me, like, and it's the exact same thing I said about X and Y. I remember being so adamant that I wasn't going to get it, and I still ended up getting it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what I think, what it definitely was, was... um, Learning that the added layer of Mega Evolutions added so much to competitive Pokemon battling... And right now, unless until we hear about this new mechanic, I mean, it could be as simple as adding more types or right. I don't know, changing up some of the rules. Have they alluded to a new mechanic, like a real new mechanic? Mm, they might have. That sounds right, but not off the top of my head. Oh, I thought you were but, referencing something. No, like but as, as, that's right. as of now, the game is still the same as it was, just with Mega Evolution. So I don't know. Here's I'm, one. I'm, new I'm mechanic. waiting for something else. Here's one new one. I, I alluded to it a second ago. QR code support. This is new, and it's totally not a major thing by making it Sonic 1. So in Sun and Moon, you have the ability to so just you makes... can scan QR patterns, and by scanning the patterns, you'll register Pokemon into the Pokedex, and then Rotom will tell you where to go find them in the game. Hmm. So it's like Pokedex 3D as a, as like a 
hide and seek collectathon y. That sounds kind of cool. Not, like, I don't know. Not the feature. I don't know who's I'm asking for, for this. It, like, I don't know if this is supposed to be some sort of weird, like, olive branch to people that play Pokemon Go, where the whole idea is, like, you go out in the world and find things in real life and then scan them into, and then they're in the game. Like, I don't know if this is like, oh, well, you're used to, you're used to walking down the street and seeing a Bulbasaur over on the street corner. Well, there's a QR code that you see. Here's how it works in the game. Like, I don't quite know where these would pop up. Or if it's any QR code, well, it'd be cool if it's any QR code. So you're in Best Buy and you can scan it and it's like, that's a, I don't know. Well, I mean, we're off that's to more options. I mean, that's, but, yeah. Yeah, but nonetheless. It doesn't hurt it. It's interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they're announcing it this early, but kind of downplaying it, makes me think there's something more to it we all know. Like, why would you hype this up if it just stops at like, yep, you just scan them. So there's got to be something there. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's shaping up nicely overall. I'm excited to see it on Treehouse Live on Tuesday at E3. Like, I'm curious what actual real-time gameplay will look like, opposed to just these quick snippets of trailers and stuff. But, mm. but yeah, so that that and Zelda are the two things that Nintendo is saving for E3 itself. Um, actually, all the things Nintendo's bringing to E3, they're saving for E3, but third parties did get started already with announcing stuff, and that's my awesome transition. Wasn't that top-notch? What are third parties doing, Jason? And you sucked all the life out of my great transition. I'm so disappointed. Uh, but no, they're announcing things in advance. What? Yeah, it's and as then... if I just said it at the top of the show like 20 minutes ago. Whoa. Whoa. But uh, so the big trend I noticed being announced in advance is stuff about Toys to Life. Because as we've discussed a handful of times on the show, um, there seems to be this to growing... death even. You could, say to... you could say our conversation of the bubble burst is in and of itself is a bubble about to burst because we've talked about it so many times but we've always talked about it under context of Nintendo needs to do something what are they going to do I don't know what if they did this or Disney couldn't do anything they left the industry they left it completely that was the last conversation we had but now we have the originator and we have the newcomer both going like well here's how we're going to handle the potential bubble burst but they're not outright saying it it's just if you look at their strategies with the new games at least I was able to like kind of pluck out these different situations of how they're approaching it because i mean honestly the bubble is there's numbers now the bubble is getting close it things are going downhill in the uk for example toys to life sales are down by 12.1 percent in 2016 which an eighth of sales it's somewhat significant i'd say even in a small market like the uk and then here in the states npd put out the sales numbers for may which we'll talk about later but in those they said that the accessories category which is where toys to life lives was down 2%. Now, 2% isn't huge, but it's been up constantly since Toys to Life blew up. This is the first time, I believe, that actually went down. So there's always signs that maybe maybe the bubble really is bursting, which leads to these two different moves that the companies are doing. So one is choosing to slyly pivot away from plastic and see if anyone notices, and the other is saying, why do you have to buy a game and and new toys every year we'll just give you toys with content included in the package and it's a much lower cost which means maybe you could prevent a bubble or at least push it off because you're not requiring people to spend like 80 90 bucks every single year for more toys so first up is skylanders imaginators that one to me is the one i think is slowly moving away to plastic um it turns out i didn't know this but like call of duty skylanders actually alternates developers so every year it's a different developer. So the current one, Imaginators, is actually being in development by the original Skylanders team for the past two years over at uh, Toys for Bob. And then Vicarious Visions filled in last year while, t- while Toys for Bob was finishing. Toys for Bob was so finishing So you're saying the people that filled in last year were the reason why... No, I'm just saying it's just an, it's just an aside. It's oh. just something that kind of po- 
popped out to me. But mm-hmm. what Imagineers is, is um, you can build your own Skylander for once. So it's kind of elaborate, actually. You pick, like, one of the ten different elements. You, you know, they could be a knight, a ninja, whatever it is that they have in the game. You choose their weapons. You choose their, uh, choose their physical attributes. You scale their physical attributes. You can actually make them have really tiny arms, really big arms, whatever. You give them a personality. You give them a catchphrase. You give them music. It's quite elaborate. Like, if I was a kid, I'd love this. Oh, it's pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and then all these characters are saved on an NFC chip. So you could take it over to your friend's house like a normal Skylander. The, the first weird thing is the NFC chip is called a capture crystal. And it is literally a little blob of see-through plastic that will glow when you put it on the portal. There's no character. No, they can't make characters. And they did say they do some contests where you could 3D print your character into a figurine at special events, Hmm. which is pretty cool if you're a Skylander fan. But, yeah, that's the first sign to me that's like maybe they're moving away from plastic slightly because they're emphasizing characters digitally, not physically. It used to be the other way around. It used to be the physical characters, what they emphasize, and it just happened to be converted over. They, Or they could... Have just run out of ideas. I mean, they already kind of did this well, with yeah. the figures with um, Swamp Force, where you literally got to mix and match the but figures. But they're still the physical. That's no, the, I know that's yeah. why. I mean, where do you go from there? Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's... I guess give you a bunch of heads, a bunch of torsos. <laughs> I mean, then it's just like Swamp Force 2. I don't know. And that's a good point. That's, I think... And which is nice of them, because it seems... Sorry. Um, no, it, no, go ahead. It just seems like they're... Honestly, it looks like they're doing a pretty honest effort of trying to change it up significantly every time. Yeah. Like, they went to Giants, they did the racing, like, I mean, if I wasn't a Skylander, I'd be pretty happy with the variety that you're getting every time. Yeah, but here's, and, and this one's no different, to be clear, they're making new figurines, they're making dark editions again, they're doing, uh, the new figurines are called Sensei, and there's gonna be 20 of them, and then 11, like, rec- uh, what they call it, reformed villains, so you have 31 new figurines that bring in these Sensei powers that do something, I'm not quite sure, and there might even be Crash Bandicoot. Elite China Chinese listings said that uh, much like how we got Donkey Kong and uh, who else did we get Bowser uh, last year, they're mm-hmm. gonna do that for Crash for the PlayStation Edition this year. So all that's kind of cool, and it sounds pretty Skylander standard fare. But what I found interesting is that the character customization is the main focus. Even in all, even in the name and all the press releases, they have these thirty-one new Sensei figurines, but they're almost like. Not downplaying them, but they're literally like, you could play the game with your custom character, or you can bring in these 31 new sensei mm. if you want. Oh, and I guess your 300 existing figurines work. Oh, and those racing, uh, those vehicles from last year, yeah, they work, but only on ported levels from the game from last year. They're basically not building new content for them. So it does kind of feel like, like that is a warning sign to parents. I feel like, oh, Timmy, I bought you like 20 vehicles. There were 20 vehicles last year. Wow. None of them work with your game anymore? It's been one year. So, like, it just seems like there's a very... It's very subtle, but it does feel like there's a little pivot where it used to be the toy was the main focus, and now it's like, no, 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 your character's the main focus. But, yeah, we have toys, too, if you want them. Like, you can have this game exist without the sensei. It feels like if the bubble burst, like if to- when Toys for Bob was building this over two years, if the bubble burst and no one was buying toys, they could just drop the senseis and have the entire rest of the game still intact. Yeah, that's true. They don't yeah. really need you. And, obviously, um, the bubble hasn't burst but we're already seeing like and this is the second piece of evidence in my opinion of why it looks like activision's pivoting there's fewer toys this time trap team uh trap not trap team yeah trap team two years ago had 57 plastic guys you can buy like they had mini figurines big figurines like different things 57 of them last year between vehicles and figurines you had 40 this year that's kind of crazy considering that 
Um, I already thought just trying to get the 54 whatever, however many Smash Brothers Amiibo. I mean, geez. Just to reiterate. there are to anyone that actually collects these Skylanders. There are over 300 Skylander toys as of now before this comes Is that out. counting all like the Dark Edition? I thing? think it might be. But nonetheless, 300. Jeez. Like Nintendo's a ways to go. But yeah, so, so they went from 57 two years ago to 40 last year. And then this year, excluding the character crystals, which I'm excluding because they're basically glorified memory cards. Like, you need a way to bring your character to a friend's house, so you need something. If you exclude those and just look at the toys that you buy to have physical toys, they're only 31. So it went from 57 to 40 to 31, and then the year that's 31 is the year that the toy is the least relevant to the core gameplay. That, to me, seems like a kind of subtle pivot. And it's done in the most Activision of ways, which is milk the thing dry, sell as many toys as you can, but as soon as the toys aren't selling anymore, we could just carry on with these custom characters and in-game things. At least that's my take. Because, like, originally, Skylanders, the whole pitch, I still remember it pretty vividly, was, like, what if your toy could come to life? Now it's almost the opposite. Like, how do you physically bring your character to a friend's house? I guess we'll make an NFC chip that lets you do it. Like, it's such a complete reversal that it feels like it has to be some sort of conscious move away. But we'll see. That's just my take. I mean, yeah. Mm. Especially after, like, not letting the vehicles do anything new. Like, How close do you think they are to creating a toy box of their own? Oh, Disney? Uh, Disney, Yeah, a la Disney Infinity. I don't know if they need to, because all the toys work throughout the game in every way. The reason Disney had to No, well, yeah, but I mean, mean, that was kind of, like, Skylander's nice. One of their advantages was that they actually made a story mode that worked with all the characters. But everything was pre-made. Yeah. Like, they've kind of given you enough tools at this point, I feel, that you could probably create your own levels if you wanted to see i could definitely see that being the selling point for next year's game or something oh yeah like, I mean, you made digital characters now make or you made your own characters now make your own worlds we support all the old toys we're releasing two new ones because then, cause then the this rest way, of it's all digital because then this way like you have so many vehicles you could easily make like track three but see then they screwed box. up and they stopped supporting vehicles already well, they, they which can, is what's dumb they can make more vehicles for yeah. this one. like i mean if i'm a parent and my kid's like, ah, oh, I got these 20 vehicles. I can't wait till they release the new <laughs> I game. I bought the bundle that comes with all 20. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, I'm going to be the parent, like, I bought you these 20 toys. And you're saying in one year, and 12 months, they're now useless to you? Like, toys, the nice thing about toys is they're physical. They can live on forever. But mm-hmm. I guess they lose half their value if you take mm-hmm. out their Still functionality. We'll play with them, like, in Toy Story. And Still, Andy, yeah. yeah. No, that's true. But, like, all the other Skylanders toys are still supported. So, like, if I was a parent, that's a... That's Activision not doing their due diligence here to make sure the bubble doesn't burst. Like, they're just letting the bubble burst. They're just riding it out until it does, I feel like. But then you got WB, who seems to be having some sort of conscious, probably for their own profit, effort of how can we milk well, the toys without causing people to I mean, to maybe it just them. feels very bad because this is, like, the first time we're kind of experiencing something like this with video games. I mean, if you look at... In terms at, of a burst or in terms of a, In terms of, um, like... Uncompatibility with uh, with large quantities of things you have to buy. Sure. I mean, look at Pokemon cards for example. Like a lot of kids back in the day, like they had a ton of them. Three thousand right here. And I'm sure, like, excluding you, because you had. I mean, you had a ton of them, but actually, you kind of did. But let's say that you actively kept up with the Pokemon League and you actually like tried to compete every year. I have three badges, thank you very much. Yeah, but (laughs) if you actually like tried to go further, tried to keep up with it every single year, every year, like all the cards. a bunch of cards get banned because that's what the winner uses. Like, that's just how they rotate it out. So all of a sudden, like all those hundreds of cards that you have, you can't even use anymore. Completely, you have to start all over. It is. Kind you of have like to buy that, a second yeah. Pikachu, even though you already have a Pikachu. A second Caterpie. You have to buy everything over and right. over again. But see, I mean, it's common practice yeah. in card games, but I mean, it is kind of a weird thing to see it in 
something that takes up more space. And takes up more money. Those yeah. vehicle toys, when they first came out, were not cheap. I mean, it's almost as bad as... Um, I mean, that's Magic the Gathering for you. Like, every yeah. year, their entire library is banned. Fun Magic the Gathering story. It's a, it's a real good point, though. But fun Mag- Magic the Gathering story. Um, I once had a card from, like, the weird, like, offshoot magic, like the comedy magic cards. The cheese stands alone. Someone told me that card was super, super valuable, like super rare, like the rarest of rare. And then I learned like eight years later after keeping this one magic card. I never got super into magic. But I kept the one card. Um, it's actually really common in that set. And it's, yeah. So I had this card that I was like keeping in perfect condition because I was worried mm. it was going to like be, oh, it's going to be worth thousands one day. And it's funny because it's a picture of a guy. It's like a cheese, but he's like standing like Superman. And I'm like 10 and like, this is cool. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And then like a, our, a decade. Our, our friend Kevin actually showed, it, showed me one. Yeah. And then a decade later, I learned they're not all rare. And I'm like, uh, why did I like build a shrine for it? Mm. I don't understand. It kind of reminds me of like a lot of people, they have their ancient Mew card and I feel like I guess a lot of people think like, oh man, this card is like really rare because it's from the movie, but literally like anyone everyone, everyone has yeah. them. Well, yeah, like everyone has them. Like ask anyone that probably grew up around that time and they have one. I have two. Exactly. Yeah. They're point proven. Exactly. They're pretty cool though. Like, no, yeah, there is. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a yeah. really good card. I mean, I, if anything, I can see why a lot of people have one. Yeah. But I guess sometimes exclusivity doesn't exactly mean rare. Yeah. But, but, but um... Yeah, back to the toys life. I think you actually bring up a good point that the discontinuation maybe is just par for the course. But even with that happening, I I guess it'll just keep happening because if Activision is pivoting towards digital I characters, mean, they could first, just be trying to groom consumers to thinking that like, all right, this yeah. is just normal. Yeah, but then I people mean, are just gonna stop buying the toys. Well, <laughs> or they could just be like, all right, this is part of it. They their kids clearly like these toys. I mean, they yeah. only need to keep their attention for a certain time. And even then, even if they didn't have the games to keep them interested, do you really expect a little kid to play with the same car for a whole year without wanting a new one? But they're not making a new one. They're like, well, we hope they'll well, want the Fine, the same yeah. figures in general. Sure, sure. I mean, it's kind of unrealistic to expect, like, one little thing to, like, work with everything. You do know the psychology of kids better than I do as a teacher, so. I mean, like, yeah, like, these kids, like, they go through, like, these toys, like, really fast. They go through phases. Like, they went from Skylanders to Lego, back to Skylanders. Back to Lego. Yeah, back to Lego. Like, they're... Yeah, the way they talk about them, it sounds like they drop things really fast. So, if anything, I feel like that shouldn't really be an issue. Hmm. Well, I guess it'll be interesting. The only thing that... Oh, sorry. The the only thing that I feel could be an issue is just the mass quantity in general. Like, the parents is being like, you have so many... Like, why do you need more? Just because... That's what I think... That's what I was about to say. Yeah, just because of space. I think think Activision, the reason... I think part of the reason they're going to these character crystals and all that and digital first and your character is virtual not real is because it frees up space yeah i don't think they're gonna stop making toys but i expect that downward ramp of 57 to 40 to 31 it's gonna keep going for the next couple of years yeah i gonna wean people off yeah the definitely toys. not yeah i feel like it's not so much like oh we need a we need to make more toys or yeah. like more original toys it's just that we've given kids so many toys that they're we probably feel it's, two toy chests or something. it's a plastic problem it's like everyone stopped buying the, yeah. the instruments for garage band rock band or sorry uh Guitar Hero and Rock Band. <laughs> Everyone stopped buying those instruments for Garage Band known as MacBooks. But no, they stopped buying uh, Rock Band and Guitar Hero because how many freaking plastic guitars and drum sets yeah. and whatnot do you need? Which, like, they're huge. Yeah, they which I guess so much literally room. explains why card games can get away with it. Yeah, because they're paper. And a lot of people, like, you could just sell them back in bulk. Like, there's a place called Frankenstein that literally will buy any card, mm-hmm. like Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon Magic for, I think, I think, like, every 20 cards you get a buck for them. So, That's a good way to get, get rid of Yeah, like, if you just yeah. have a bunch of commons, like, I, when my heyday, when I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh!, mm-hmm. we had, like, boxes, like, shoe boxes, like, a whole ton just full with, like, 
useless cards. Right. And after trading a bunch of them in, and then like for every rare, it was like 20 cents per rare. And then every super rare was like 50 cents. And yeah. depending on, I mean, I ended up getting like maybe over 400 bucks out of just like the extra cards. And then, yeah, so... And then, like, compare that to saying... I mean, oh, can, you really, and can you read it with Skylar? Can you take, like, <laughs> a terror box and, like, to, to Skylar? Like, All right, we'll give you a buck per figure. I'll probably give you less, honestly, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's it's tricky. It's yeah. it's a weird... That's why I think Activision... Mm. I know I keep... Pros and cons of, point, a, but. of being the leaders in a new market. Yeah. I mean... But then on the other side of it, you've got uh, WB Games and how they're doing LEGO Dimensions, which is, like, instead of trying to... They re- double have LEGO, too, which is... That's, a, that's, yeah, that's that, exactly that's it. probably where they that's where they yeah. made the smart move i mean they come on bases because they have nfc chips in them but like they're still yeah. basically legos but and and they're smart because what activision did is every year with the new skylanders there's a new gimmick so you bought the new game and you had to buy the new toys because only the new toys had the gimmick that made it worthwhile to buy the new game and if you want the new toys but you don't have the new game well you gotta need the new game to use the new toys and i know i said that really fast that's kind of the point but uh like lego dimensions is handling it a lot better because wb seems content to just have people buy new toys that expand the existing game thus keeping costs down thus keeping parents comfortable buying these things they're much smaller anyway so like you could you know alienate folk which is why i think happy skylanders why its sales went down last year if you're like hey here's another 90 dollars starter pack for the fourth year in a row yeah, like Guitar Hero. Day and like for every card. other spend, you have to buy a car too, which brought up the right. price to like thirty something per. Now compare that to mm-hmm. Lego Dimensions. Hey, here's a fifteen dollar level pack or a fifteen dollar story pack. These come with three figurines and new content for your game. It's like buying DLC that has a physical piece. Yeah, it's sign, like what Amiibo does. Sign me up, right? No, so uh, so they're taking that approach. And yet I haven't, and that game's been out for quite a while. Yeah, now. And I, I haven't either. But Although so I, think I wouldn't be surprised approach. if I was get the Sonic one, but not play. Yeah, and that and that's the thing is now yeah. they're doubling down on that. That's what the announcement was this time. So instead of making new games, they're making new DLC and new toys that are like a who's who of pop culture. Like there's Sonic, as you mentioned. There's uh, it's a long list: Adventure Time, Harry Potter, the Harry Potter spinoff, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Teen Titans Go, uh, Sonic. The new Ghostbusters, the old Ghostbusters, the A-Team, Sonic, the Goonies. Sonic a third time. Yeah, Mission, <laughs> Mission Impossible, the Powerpuff Girls, a fourth Sonic, Gremlins, Beetlejuice, E.T., Lego City Undercover, a fifth Sonic, and Knight Riders. And that's on top of Lord of the Rings and Scooby-Doo and all the stuff that was uh, previously there. Oh, and Sonic. I don't know if we mentioned Sonic. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's no, just like, At least right it's, now. it's really cool that, like, it's really cool that, all this stuff is just in one game and you don't have to keep buying the game. You just buy Sonic and then he's in there and you got Sonic and it's great. And he'll still ring from Gollum like in the trailer. But like I, the con, like the content's going to vary too now, which is cool. It's not all just the same DLC, like Ghostbusters, you get story pack. Some of the other stuff, you'll get levels. There's a new battle arena mode that will come with some figurines that is for multiplayer yeah, Lego fighting, awesome. which by the way, how did they never make a Lego fighting game before now? It makes so much sense. Punch someone and he shatters into bricks like his arm falls off. It'd be like Clay Fighters. It'd be really cool. But um, I mean, there's fighting in the Lego games and people do explode when you Yeah, punch but you them. don't get to go head-to-head with people. It's all co-op. But Battle Arena now lets you go head-to-head. Mm. So, like, this, this feels like the way that Toys to Life can stay afloat. Like, WB, obviously they're still in it for money, but they seem to definitely be taking an approach where it's like, well, how do we prolong people's interest in this and not just like milk it till it's And dried? then there's Amiibo. Which, and then there's Amiibo, which we, we know just nothing went about. Radio silent. Like, yeah. I, I'm hoping we see some I mean, we went from like, 
All right, the Smash Brothers ones, and ooh, the Wooly World, all of those cards, and then the... And then nothing. Yeah, no, no. Again, because I think NX was going to fill the void this year. I mean, year, we haven't even... We're getting Squid Sisters before we even heard anything about the Bayonetta and Corrin, and oh, God, it's so cloud. Well, if it makes you feel better, uh, Nintendo started putting up certificates on their website. You know how they have to do the toy certificates, the CISPAs or whatever? Sure. They're putting them up for coming soon figurines that don't have a name, but have numbers that are within the Smash range. So, like, so, prog numbers. So, yeah. probably Cloud's coming. I expect to hear something in the Treehouse stream, even briefly. But but yeah, we don't know what's going on with Amiibo. I will say Waddle D looks great. I got my Waddle D Amiibo with Planet Robobot, and he, he, like the Kirby ones look so cool because they're so nicely like smooth and rounded, and yeah. But <laughs> this is getting weirdly sexual. But yeah, it's um yeah they're really cool. But um yeah, we don't know what Nintendo's doing with Amiibo, so it's kind of weird. I think I guess we'll find not find out at E three. <laughs> Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe. they don't really seem to be in the announcee. No, they're um, not. But when else would they... T- I mean, that's the right time to tell people. They're watching your Treehouse Live segment anyway. Just literally throw them a bone <laughs> I guess with one like, sentence. Yeah, I guess like as they're playing the trailer, all right, let's take a quick break, a quick fake commercial break, and it's just a, tra- an a, yeah, and it's just a trailer for something yeah, coming like, out. I mean, I, maybe that's... Remember I said there might be surprises? Maybe it's just Amiibo news. But... I mean, they could drop it out of nowhere. That's what they did with um, the Splatoon series, too. They literally... Every Jack-specific toy is full, it's a full working amiibo. Yeah, but, like, that actually kind of funny. But um, that actually really smart. But anyway, no, I was going to say, like, the Splatoon <laughs> amiibo, they just announced that, like, 1 a.m. one day. They're like, oh, yeah, we're making new colors of, of Splatoon, and here's the Squid Sisters. They'll be out in a month. Woo. And that was the end of it. <laughs> so they could just do that. But I think... Of the three right now, Lego Dimensions, to me, feels like the right path for mm. the future of Toy to Life. Well, first of all, like, the, the pop culture tornado that is Lego Dimensions, like, that's really cool. It feels very Lego. It matches the personality of the Lego games very well. So I think mm. that's cool. But I just think the idea of, like, just expanding what you have, which is what Disney tried to do, but then they still made new games with 2.0 and 3.0, like, just expanding what you have is the way to go. I mean, even Amiibo does that. It's like, buy new games, but what you have works with those. It's like the inverse of what LEGO Dimensions doing. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's what, what, like, if you... I mean, you're basically done with Amiibo after Smash, right? That's what you've been saying. Yep. And you don't have Skylanders. Didn't you don't even, have Disney. You don't have LEGO. If you were to jump in, no yeah, one would even, you know. I'm not even going to get Kylie Marie anymore. I was going to get them, but I looked at my collection and then thought of it for a few seconds. And I was like, I'm happy. With what I have, <laughs> you do sound very satisfied right now. Yeah, true. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. But like, if you were, I'm happy. If you, I'm glad you're <laughs> so happy. If you, if you were to jump in, knowing what you know about Skylanders, knowing what you know about Lego Dimensions, Lego Dimensions. Okay, is it because the pop culture stuff, or is it that you like the approach better? Um, like in the terms game of how they do it? and the game looks a little more up my alley yeah. than Skylanders. I think I'm the, the pop culture way. stuff. It's it's very 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 hit or miss. Like there's literally only like two sets that I would right. get. If, One of them isn't even out yet. So. If well, well, that list we rattled off with all those different things and the seventeen that's different Sonics. They, <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's from now till next summer. That's what's kind of crazy. It's it's a full year of properties. And I think I left off one or two as yeah. well. Like it's a long list. I don't know if I mentioned Sonic though. He's also in there. Sonic's a big part. Um, yeah, I feel like I'd do LEGO Dimensions as well. Like, would you be as interested in LEGO Dimensions if they took the Skylanders approach and had a new game every year? No. That, yeah, yeah, see, that's why I think, yeah. That's but, my take too. But also, but we wouldn't know that until the following two years or something. But now that we're in year two, we can see that that's what they're doing. Yeah. 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 So, there you go. 
Toys to Life is... To, it's going to be interesting to see who wins, so to speak. Because Toys to Life is definitely... There's a branch that's happening. And Skylander's going one way. Lego's going another. And it would kind of curious to see who... Whose road leads them to a cliff that they fall off of. And whose is like a gentle trip down a hill. Because either way, they're both going to be dead in five or six years, I feel like. But but who's going to last longer is the real question. So that's just half the... Whichever one has Sonic. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you heard. But Lego Dimensions comes with Sonic now. It's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so that, I feel like Toys to Life is kind of just half the pre-E3 conversation. There's been other announcements, too, for Nintendo platforms that kind of make up the other half. And from my perspective, at least, what's interesting about those other ones is that it seems there's some sort of shift happening with how indie developers are treated by publishers. Like, there's this growing trend of established publishers picking up the publishing duties for these little guys games from indie developers games you mean like, like this, way forward's half genie hero i do i also mean like my number nine deep silver i also mean like uh what's yacht happening Clubs. with rumbo i also mean what's happening with yacht well yacht club published themselves really they did their own Kudos, but these yacht other club, right Kudos. but these other ones like my number nine started it they had deep silver come in out of nowhere and be like yeah we'll buy we'll we'll send you around because for them it makes sense like it, they can make money off it and then the developer gets more reach but now we're seeing Exceed team up with Way Forward, as you just said, to bring Shante, uh Half Genie Hero out on consoles in a special thirty dollars retail version that they're dubbing the Risky Beats edition, and it comes with a twenty song soundtrack. Wow. But what's interesting about that is like here's another game. <laughs> you sound so genuinely <laughs> thrilled. Actually, I'm looking forward to this game. I mean, you already kickstarted it, right? So yeah, you're getting a, a digital time. one, no matter yep. what. Do you get the soundtrack with twenty songs in the Risky Beats edition? Uh, if I had pledged more, I would have, but I did not. Ah. Uh, how much did you pledge? 15? At first it was 90, but... You pledged $90 and they're selling something for 30 that gives you gives more than what you got? No, at first it was 90. Mm. And if I had stuck with that 90, it would have given me a ton of stuff. But also, then? Also a golden doubloon coin or something. But then? Um... Ninja Turtle 1-6 scale stuff started getting announced, and I had to reevaluate my budget, and yeah, you know where that happened. How much did you give them in the end? Anything? 15. Oh, okay. Enough to get the game. Yeah. Oh, so I was right. Yeah. In a roundabout way. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Exceed, they're, they're actually picking up a lot of indie games. Kind of a detour from my main point I was going to make, but um, Exceed is also localizing the second Story of Seasons game here in the U.S. for 3DS in 2017. As well as handling the eShop release of a Wii U game called, uh, it's a 2D side scroller shooter, side scrolling shooter called uh, Exile's End. So they are bringing multiple games, and they're all going to be at E3. But what's funny about Season of Stories, so it's getting its sequel here in the US next year. And then Harvest Moon also has a new entry coming to 3DS called Sky Village, uh, sorry, Sky Tree Village. Wait, published by Exceed? No, that's published by Natsume. Oh. But if you know the drama, between oh, these yeah, games, yeah. it's funny that they're right down the hall from each other at E3, both of these games. So in one corner, you have Story of Seasons, which is the Harvest Moon developers making, once they lost the license, making basically their sequel. And in the other side of E3, you have Netsume showing off what is Harvest Moon in name, but totally different in terms of developers and what it may actually be like. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of funny that they're like dueling farm simulation games, which is a sentence I never thought I'd have to say. Um at E3 at the same time. But uh, back to the bigger topic. The thing I was saying and that we were kind of talking about is the idea of more and more indie games are now getting these legitimate publishers. And it kind of feels to me that... Because before I 
jump to the next project. Actually, say there's another we didn't even mention, Rumbo. So Rumbo was made by 13AM Games. We actually just gave a copy away on our Twitter. So if you guys aren't following us on, at Random Nintendo, you're missing out on these giveaways. But uh, 13AM Games ha- handled everything. They handled self-publishing to the eShop and whatnot. And then out of nowhere last week on Amazon, a 3DS version popped up with publishing duties by a company called Nighthawk Interactive. What's weird about it is the description of the game. The box art was for 3DS, but the description was talking about how it's a deluxe edition with the game and all its DLC in one package. And they mm. don't make a 3DS one currently. And they do have DLC for the Wii U version. And then that was taken down, and 13AM Games put out a statement that's like, hey, so that's not quite right. We'll have news at E3 next week, or like this coming week. So something's up. But between that, between my number nine, between Shantae, all those things, it feels like... It almost feels like we're entering what indie movies are doing now. Like, how it works in indie movies is a company will come around and make a game. And they'll be like, this is our vision, this is our project, whatever, whatever. And then they go show it off at Sundance in movies, or they go show it off at some other film festival. And then studios go to those film festivals specifically to bid on pretty much finished movies just for strictly distribution. They invest in buying the rights to it, they invest in marketing it, and then they sit back and let the money roll in because these movies are already made, they don't need to do any production costs, they just kind of help it along to make it reach a broader audience and get money in return. It feels like gaming's entering that phase now, which really, to me, legitimizes indie games in a way that just having Nintendo promote the eShop or Sony promote PSN could never do. Like, if we're seeing major companies, even if they're kind of smaller, like Nighthawk or Exceed, come in and be like, we like your game, we like your vision, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Keep doing what you're doing. It's exceeding what we want here at Exceed. We'll then just push it out to the world and help you distribute to a broader platform because physical is always going to have more people looking at it than digital at least for the next few decades or few years at least. That's very similar to Fox Searchlight going to Sundance and being like, oh, we really like this movie Dope. We're going to go ahead and make it a real movie that's actually a pretty big hit during the summer. And then they go and make Dope or whoever it was that produced Dope. Like Focus Films, Fox Searchlight, there's a few. Like I could see there being publishers that just go out and do this now. Like the indie scene is that developed and that well done that's already actually happening with Game Trust. That's the name of GameStops, right? Game Trust? Sure. So GameStop has this thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, um, yeah. They're... It is Game Trust, right? Well, I don't know what they're called. I really just but, thought it was just GameStop. Yeah. Like, like, oh, Under the Sea, whatever, published by GameStop. Yeah, so what they're doing is literally what I'm just describing. They are saying, we are going to publish games digitally because we don't, like, we as a store, we're losing physical f- traffic, so we're going to try and sell digital games. But what we're going to do is we're going to go pluck out ideas from people who are already established or may already have a great idea, you know, um, we're working with Ray at Dawn, they're working with Insomniac, that sort of thing. They're going to take those games, let them have their vision, not interfere whatsoever, and then just distribute them and market them when they're done. That's literally the the Fox Searchlight, like, indie movie situation. And now we're seeing with Nindies that's starting to happen, which makes you think this is just kind of the natural evolution of the industry. We're going to have AAA blockbusters, we're going to have Indies, and the Indies are going to be promoted by the same companies or spin-offs of the same companies that promote those triple a tiles like it's all gonna be one big pile of games instead of this weird fork that's currently going on where it's clearly you're either a major publisher or you're an indie they're gonna start coming together a bit more which is cool it means more indie games to more people so it's a plus but that's that's my long-winded takeaway from the simple fact that um a couple <laughs> nindies are now getting physical releases 
and this all came out of these E3 announcements. So, yeah. I guess the one other thing, now that I think about it, worth mentioning is um, it also can help with games that are not finished yet. Case in point, something like Ukulele, which... Now, they're not doing this. They don't have a publisher. They're self-publishing. But with Ukulele, they announced that... Uh, Playtonic announced that they don't have the resources to make every single console version. So they're doing Wii U and PC and overseeing Team 17, the makers of Worms, who are developing the Xbox and PlayStation versions of Ukulele. Hmm. So in theory, if it was like a Sundance indie film situation, in theory, someone like Game Trust, which is GameStop, or whoever, or Exceed, or Nighthawk Interactive, or whoever, could come in and say to Playtonic, hey we can help finance the ability for you to bring more people on board and get this done, that kind of would also resolve these sorts of issues. It's what Deep Silver did with my number nine, although it didn't quite work in their favor. But but the idea is like, you know, these major publishers can help one way or another. Whatever that way is, that's best for the developer, I guess. But yeah. yeah. So that's kind of an interesting trend I noticed in these E3 announcements. It's just like indies are more val- validated than ever this year. So kind of cool. It's a side nice to see the little guys do well. That is cool. And speaking of ukulele, did you see that trailer? I did. It looks so good. I'm so happy. As a backer, I'm so happy. I mean, it's super, like, N64 rare platformer, but nicer. But it's exactly what I want. Uh, oh, you seem hesitant. Why are you hesitant? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. When I was watching the trailer, like, don't get me wrong, like, the game looked fun. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, obviously the game is still unfinished, and that's, I guess that was pretty much my my overall Oh, yeah, it definitely looks like there's... Like, some- polish needed yeah i don't know I, I guess it looked too familiar that's pretty much my my thing like nothing about it necessarily looked like like ooh, this looks cool this looks new it just looked like banjo 3e honestly maybe that's like that was kind of well, that's that kind was of, their goal no I, I, <laughs> I guess it is but it's one of those things that sounds like cool like and exciting on paper it's like oh man they're gonna make another banjo kazooie but then we see it and then it's like Oh, all right, well... So, so just to make sure I'm understanding correctly, you would prefer nuts and bolts? Hmm? I was making a joke. I prefer that. nothing, I guess. Interesting. I don't know. I'm in it for... Honestly, nostalgia. like, I'm not... I, I, okay, obviously I don't prefer nothing. It's fine if they make just another game. Yeah. And this is just, like, a trailer, too. But, I mean... An for, early trailer. It's not out till next Yeah, week. exactly. So, I mean... But just from what I saw, like, that little part with the minecart, like, jumping, it's like, well, that looks like Donkey Kong Country. Okay, yeah, that was the only thing I saw in the trailer. I'm like, this looks a little too familiar. Everything else has been long enough that feels not fresh, but, like, the nostalgia works. It's like all the, like, platforming and stuff look like Bantrick Sui, and that's fine. But, yeah, the minecart, I was like, this is straight up Donkey Kong Country. They even had the thing where the things were falling on the track and you had to jump over them. I was mm. like, this is so Donkey Kong. But the rest I thought was great. And I'm more than okay with the delay if it means a more polished game. Right. It's not out to 2017 now for those. I'm games. definitely like a game to keep your eye on. Definitely. I mean, I, I'm not denying that at all. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, I guess, yeah. I just, I just couldn't help that like unfinished look. Like I couldn't get past that. I like, yeah. all right. Is this the trailer that got me ready for, all right, let's, I'm just going to wait for the, a more complete trailer. Still, I didn't, I feel like I didn't need to see a trailer at this point, I guess. I'm still, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they felt the need for people to see it because E3 and that's when you do this sort of thing. But yeah, they could have, it could have easily been in the fall. Yeah. No, Platonic, you don't have to feel that way. You're good. You're okay, guys. We trust you. You don't I need mean, to show it, me your it, game. They have a early. guy that, did you see, my favorite part of that trailer was the design for Trouser Snake, who, by the way, that name is so, yeah. But, um, his design, he's a snake wearing a normal pair of pants, a normal pair of pants. So his body goes in one leg, snakes down at the like curves at the bottom, then comes up with the tail through the other leg. So he's wearing pants like a normal human, but he's, the way he's wearing them is like a snake. 
it's I don't know why, but my son I'm like, oh, that's that's perfect. That's like where 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 rare where whimsy right there. No, it's where where. Yeah, what? Yeah, I know. It sounds like I was about to spell your Twitter handle like I do at the end of every time. Where where that's W E R R O underscore. No, but um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. And yeah. that that's honestly all we know going into E3. No Sonic though. No Sonic. You know what does have Sonic though? Lego Dimensions. I don't know if you heard, but um, <laughs> yeah, there's no Sonic. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of all we know going into E3 is we've got like toys to, for Nintendo platforms. We've got this indies kind of coming up into the mainstream. We've got Toys to Life. We got whatever Nintendo's cooking. That's about it. But separate from E3 is, of course, all things NX. We know NX won't be at E3. We know they're not going to talk about NX at E3 unless the Treehouse Live surprise is the NX. Dramatic pause. But, uh, but yeah, it's not stopping the rumor mill. Whether or not that happens, the rumor mill is continuing to churn. And the latest example of this is a report that came out shortly after our last episode which claimed that production of the NX is being delayed to the start of 2017 instead of 2016 as previously planned. Um, now, before I go further, I should probably stress where the report comes from. It is from a source called Digitimes. It's a Taiwanese newspaper that has a kind of shoddy or shady history of reporting things well. Time.com actually has a whole list of how they screwed up everything in the past, but... They claim their sources are in factory supply chains because Taiwan has a lot of factory supply chains. They know, you know, they have ties with Foxconn apparently, makers of a lot of electronics. But they often claim they have all sorts of insider Apple news, and none of it's ever correct. But they are also a major established newspaper. So while I don't necessarily, <laughs> I don't know. But while I don't necessarily believe, well, I guess one happened first, and then they just yeah, stop caring. And then they stop caring. <laughs> so while I don't necessarily believe that this rumor about what the NX will be is true. I do think that because they're established and people talked about it, we should maybe mention it or touch on it a little, especially because even at work, some of my coworkers are like, oh, did you hear like that NX is going to have virtual reality? That's the rumor. And I was like, nah, that's not mm. happening. So the I rumor- mean, they could have it baked somewhere in the back, kind of like how um, PS4 has some 4K support or something like that, even though right. like there are no 4K games right now or anything like that. I could see them doing that maybe, but like, I don't think... The Digitimes report was weird. Like, just to explain for those who didn't read it they said yup it is gonna have a controller it's gonna be five to seven inches in size it'll have joysticks it will uh, interface with a tv when you're home kind of the hybrid thing that nintendo sort of has claimed they're not doing but sort of hasn't actually said they're not doing so that is what they're reporting and then they say there will also be the delay is specifically to add quote virtual reality functionality that's why they're delaying it i don't think i buy you might be honest something that they have like a future plug that will work or like they could do it like the expansion pack on n64 where you just swap something out and then boom you have vr but wasn't that like a rumor something like the butterfly or something for the wii u where you could like take apart the hard drive and like replace it like a pc or oh yeah uh, i forgot what there's it was also the nintendo on back before the wii came out which was a fake headset that someone made like mm-hmm. a rendered it made a five minute long rendered trailer for this fake headset it's basically what psvr is now or Oculus, but it was in 2006. Well, if they do have your support, then we'd be able to play Giant Cop. That's true. That game looks funny. Yeah. It's on... Uh, just to be clear, because some people's headphones may not be may not be good, that's Cop, C-O-P. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to clarify, because if you're listening on a train and there's a little like noise in the background or you're in a car and someone <laughs> honked at that exact moment, it is Cop as in a policeman and or woman, not what you think you heard. 
we are a PG podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that game is VR only, so don't yeah. expect it oh, on a Nintendo console. Oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. So what it is, Roosevelt, no, it's coming Steam VR, I believe. Yeah, Steam, PlayStation, and Xbox or whatever. Oculus. Um, Whoa. Oh, someone just got a text. But what it is is uh, you are in a city. You're this cop, this giant cop, this giant police person standing above the city, and you're basically fighting crime as a giant, helping the police who are all like little tiny people because yeah. you're a giant. I mean, if you want to play this game and you happen to be able to go to the mix. Yeah, for then... those who are in LA this week at E3, there is the Media Indie Exchange or Mix, and it is there. Yep. So all it? one person who may be in our little Venn diagram of E3 attendees and random town listeners. It's there for you. Would have told him what to go, but I have a class during that time, unfortunately. What's funny is before his podcast, he was implying he had no interest in going. And then as soon as he had a conflict, he's like, oh, I did want to go. What? So I even wrote down like 18 games that I, I wasn't interested in and trying. You kept me that you didn't want to go. Of these games, I actually should mention, if any of you happen to have a PC or something, there is a game called Redoubt, R-E-D-O-U-T, that you should probably keep an eye on. Because if any game released in the last few years is supposed to be any kind of F-Zero replacement. It's this one. Yeah, like Fast Racing Neo, that was, I mean, that was like the closest thing we had at the point. At and it's that really time, good. Just yeah, and it's good. Clear, but, I love but, it. But, but it's more of an original idea than yes. F-Zero. This one is like, without any shame, just doing F-Zero. It has the yeah. boost. It has the health meter. It has the crazy tracks that do crazy loop-de-loops. It's, it's F-Zero. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so again, for, on our Venn diagram, if you're the one person that's at E3 and listens to us, there's probably more than one. Well, I mean, they could also just keep like tabs on it, yeah, and then eventually yeah. it comes out. Also, the Museum of Simulation, that one also looks kind of interesting. And that trippy. one's weird because it's all about perspective. So you're walking around first person, and there's like a chess piece at the end of the door. But as you zoom back, yeah, it's like you pick it up size. Yeah, because like you pick up the chess piece, and if you're familiar with some first person games, where kind of like, um. Half-Life, yep. where you don't have hands, but when you pick something up, it just floats in front of you. And since it stays the exact same distance from your face, like relative to the background, I guess there'll be different sizes. So if you walk far away from the door with the, that piece right in front of you and you drop it, it's going to be the size of the door. But then if you walk up to the door and drop it right in front of you, it'll be like microscopic. So I don't know. It's, really, it's cool. It does really look cool. Interesting. So some of these experiences, if NX had VR, would be cool on there, namely giant police person yeah. and 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 possibly the simulation one if they make it a vr game yeah. i don't think it is currently chamba rock would also seem like a cool game to come out on the wii u with um the double screen so you can't see well chamba rock is well if you don't know it's also another game another indie game but you're it's a one-on-one fighting game where you just shoot arrows at each other or slice your opponent but one you're either black or white completely black completely white and the whole world is either a mixture of black and white so when you're on the color that matches your character, you're completely invisible. And you're just supposed to sneak around and try to kill your opponent before they kill you. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I don't know. That just seems and it has weird. a very Mad World aesthetic, if you yeah, remember it, that Wii game. Like, like, black and white with just red accents for blood and stuff. Yeah, like, as soon as I saw it, I just thought, like, oh, that, that, that seemed like it'd be, like, a fun like, game to have on the Wii U. Like, some kind of the gamepad. Just, like, I don't know. Some of these games just give, like, a Nintendo vibe. Like, they I definitely do. Like, I would have liked to play that one. And, you know... Tying this back to our previous conversation, if the indie thing, if it's like video games are becoming like Sundance or like studios just pick them up and mass release them, it's possible they could come to Nintendo platforms. Because, you know, someone like Exceed could come along and be like, yeah, we love this concept. We think it could reach a broader audience. We will handle porting it to other platforms for you or something like that. Yeah, It's certainly possible. And maybe NX will be one of them. And maybe the VR rumors are true. But I don't think they I don't know. Maybe Nintendo 
exactly something we'll go to the mix and just look around and be like, hey. Well, last year they had we Damon Baker this. there. We, we saw Damon need Baker this. there. We, we could, need this right now. We could have met Damon Baker there. He's their indie liaison. He's the new Dan uh, Edelman. <laughs> Add Sonic and we got a deal. <laughs> I don't know if you heard. Like I <laughs> mentioned, that Sonic in now. What? But, um, yeah. Uh, fun fact. Um, but, yeah, back to the back to the next thing. I was just going to say that, like, I don't think VR is going to happen. Simply because, like, Nintendo... When the industry zigs, Nintendo zags, for lack of a better way of wording it. But, like, seriously, like, VR's been the thing for the industry for the past two, three, four years. And Nintendo keeps saying we have this new play style. It's going to be totally different. You're going to love it. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, and also we have VR. Like, it just seems un-Nintendo. But maybe that's just me. I mean, would you mm-hmm. want Virtual Boy 2. Uh, just a Mac, can you imagine? Would you want... Even though they don't have... VR? Like, would you want the option to at least be there? I guess it can't be bad. I don't I see why I wouldn't want the option. True. It's like extra. Yeah, that's I mean, true. That's a dumb question. That's a really dumb question. And honestly, like, if it's one of those things where it's baked into the system without it being like a... I don't know. I mean, it would come with a peripheral, but that already gives it a leg up against these other people that you have to buy things separately. Well, that's, that's how we... Based on our previous conversation just now, it's how it seems like NX would would do it unless it becomes a core component. But then yeah. because it gets everything Kim Machine has said but about the then NX. Then again, we don't know anything about the NX. Yeah, I mean, at so all. maybe yeah. that maybe that's true. Maybe Digitimes is probably crazy. not. But yeah, the one part of the Digitimes report I thought was actually the most sensible and realistic is that they said that Nintendo was originally hoping to produce twenty million NX within the first year, and have since reined that back into nine point five to ten million in the first year. That sad tidbit is what I think is the most plausible of the whole thing. They don't want to get burned like what happened with 3DS sales dropping off after launch. They don't want to get burned like Wii U. They probably would much rather, if NX took off, have a Wii situation where shortages drive more attention, drive more PR, drive more sales in the long run than having extra inventory. So if any of the Digitimes thing is true, I believe it's the fact that Nintendo's playing it safe because they are very conservative. So it makes sense. Um... And well, and I mean, I, I take most of the digital times with a grain of salt, but there is some other NX news we're starting to see that actually is like real, plausible, confirmed things, mostly involving software. Um, first up, Unity Engine is essentially confirmed for NX, which was a given, but in case you didn't know, Unity, I know you know this because we talked about this a couple of years ago when it first happened, but Unity is part of the toolkit that Nintendo gives for free to every indie developer for Wii U. Comes with that. It comes with something called Nintendo Framework that lets you port like Flash games to Wii U easily. And the idea is, if you make it easy for these developers to have these tools, they can make better games. Or on something like Unity, that's on every platform known to man, they can very easily port their games to Wii U, to now 3DS, and based on this, to NX. So we could see something like Ukulele, which is now delayed to 2017, in theory come not just to Wii U but also NX because it's the same engine. And the confirmation that this is actually coming to NX comes by way of uh, Unity itself. They have a beta test for a new tool called Collaboration. I don't know what the tool is, or sorry, called Collaborate. I don't know exactly what the tool is, but in the list of supported platforms where you check off which platforms apply to you is, sure enough, the NX. Hmm. So it's there. It's happening. Um, And it immediately opens the door to a much broader variety of games coming to NX. Like like I said, Ukulele is a possibility. Um, Iron... uh, VD Dev, the guys that made Ironfall, that was that free-to-play first-person shooter for 3DS, for new 3DS. They're already starting to say they're bringing stuff to NX. It's actually kind of of funny how that one happened. So they put out a trailer for a new game called Rise, which is like a Sega Rally-style racing game set in the future. 
And in the trailer, they made their own little NX logo and stuck it at the bottom. So it said, like, Wii U, PlayStation, Xbox, NX. Day later, trailers re-uploaded with the logo removed, and they said they couldn't comment. Mm. So Nintendo probably got to them, but which makes sense, because, you know, either A, NX isn't the system's final name, that's not its logo, that's confusing to some consumers, or B, they don't really want official games to exist for a system that doesn't officially have a thing yet. Like, NX is just a, a word we float around, or a name we float around. It doesn't actually have a console that we know of. But either way, it does show that developers are already looking at NX, which makes me think with the Unity thing, we could see a surprisingly robust lineup of at least digital titles. So that's kind of a nice surprise. I mean, it was bound to happen, but it's nice to get confirmation. Um, yeah, but uh, the one thing we <laughs> the one thing we really do know about NX, I'm proud of this transition. The one thing we really do know about NX, though, is that Nintendo needs it ASAP. Like, literally as soon as possible. Because NPD released their May sales numbers, uh, and Nintendo's basically non-existent on them. Oh, no. It's pretty bad. So, first of all, I accept um, any sort of donation for my well-done... Or not donation, I accept any sort of applause for my well-done transition. You can find me on my Patreon. <laughs> and I, yeah, you can, you, can, you, can, you can give me five bucks on Patreon to get these sort of transitions every single episode, and it will be great. And <laughs> these don't get, come cheap. You'll get transitions first. We'll send you a transition before you even know the topics. It's going to be so good. <laughs> but... Um, and then, yeah, it'll be exclusive just to our backers. But, uh, no, what I was going to say is, now that I've grind, ground that to a halt... Hey, what do you um, call the backers and Patreon Patriots? Patriots. I don't know. Patronians. Oh, patrons. Patron. They're Patron. No, yeah, I think it's pa- patrons. That would make sense. Oh. <laughs> like, customer. <laughs> I can't believe it. Hey, did you know Sonic is in LEGO Dimensions? But anyway, um, yeah, so, NPD Group, like I said, they put out their main numbers. Industry Excel, the industry as a whole is doing well. Uh, sales are up 4% year over year. That's good, especially after the 15% drop year over year that happened last month. So it's rebounding. The top 10 is pretty much what you'd expect. Uncharted 4 is, of course, number one. Then it's followed by Doom, Overwatch, Battleborn. You know, it, it's basically good for the industry. But then there's poor Nintendo, who didn't sell really much of anything. Um, well, they didn't really make anything. That's, <laughs> that's true. You can't make what you can't sell. That's true. I mean, you can't sell what you didn't can't, make. Yeah, you also can't make what you can't sell, because then who would buy it? So you're right on both fronts. Um, <laughs> what are they making? <laughs> I don't know, but they can't sell it, whatever it is. But um, it was the, the thing was, like, you would think, okay, so they had one month with no releases. Maybe that's all right. But it was actually one of their worst months in a very long time. Uh, the Wii U, according to leaked numbers, Nintendo did not put out any real numbers, but the leaks say <laughs> that the Wii U sold under 28,000 copies, or systems. The, that's the lowest it's ever sold in a month, ever. The record was previously in July of 2013 with 29,000, but now it's under 28,000. So they broke their own record? I guess that's, I mean, congrats, <laughs> but that's a bad one to break. Um, you, think, you don't think anyone high-fived at Nintendo headquarters? Maybe if they had a bet of, like, how low can it go? Like, if, like limbo for the Wii U? Then, yeah, maybe. But um, So that's the Wii U. If rumors are true, it's the worst month it's ever had. 3DS family? didn't really do any better it moved about seventy-two thousand units and that's with the 2ds price drop that happened the third week of may 72 isn't horrible but it's not great either um perhaps perhaps the worst part of that 72 is how bad it must have been doing before it got 72 in may because nintendo in their press release for the mpd numbers said that following sales of, or following the 2ds price drop they saw month over month sales increase by 38 percent if you sold a total of 72,000 across 2DS, 3DS, 
new 3DS, new 3DS XL. How, uh, how low were your numbers before if it rose by over a third to get to 72? Even worse, they said it was a 114% increase for the 2DS year over year. How bad was that thing doing a year ago if it doubled after that price drop to only 72,000? Like that's, those are PS Vita numbers almost. Like it's, yeah, it's, I don't know if I've seen the 3DS go that low in recent memory, but, but, uh, perhaps part of the problem is Yo-Kai Watch, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but it makes sense if you think about it, because Nintendo, Level 5, even Hasbro and Disney XD, they all banked on it becoming the next big, like, Pokemon, right? Remember all that talk before, like, we did it with Pokemon, we're going to do it again with Yo-Kai Watch, it'll be the multimedia assault, there'll be a show, there'll be toys, there'll be games. Let's put it on the network, no one really watches it. Yeah, that was the first problem. And Nintendo kind of lined up all their 3DS ducks in a row in oh, anticipation of And it did too. do that informal survey to my students about Yo-Kai Watch. Oh, yeah. What they, well, maybe that will explain these numbers I'm about to say. What, no what one knew or have, have heard exactly. about it. Um, well, one kid said it sounded familiar because it was probably through a commercial, mm-hmm. which also made me realize this other thing. Um, yeah, like Unless um, it appears on a lot of commercials or... Yes, commercial in general, yeah, kids will not know. Like, well, how would they find out? That's the thing. Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of them do actually surf on the surf the internet, and I'm talking like third graders to fifth graders. So that's like the yokai demographic, ten, nine, eight, the, the, eight to the ten the year old. And they do surf the internet, so they know how to look up, look things up. And even like, I mean, even then, like, none of them. I asked them like, I think uh, three days after this recording, right? Um, three days ago, and then they didn't even know that Sun and Moon was announced. Huh? Like. They and some of them and some of these kids that I asked are obsessed with Pokemon and they had no idea Sun and Moon was announced. These kids need older Which, brothers to tell them these things. Yeah, so if they didn't even know that was announced, then they're not gonna know Yokai Watch. Then again, they guess they should, considering Toys R Us has like the Pokemon stuff next to the Yokai stuff. But right, I mean, there but, you yeah, go. but if you're a kid, you just tunnel vision to Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. so but perhaps, yeah. perhaps that's why Yokai Watch has only sold since it came out in the U.S. for the holidays four hundred thousand copies. Which for a normal game is respectable, but for your blockbuster franchise that Nintendo lined all their 3DS ducks in a row with, you know, they had the bundles, they had the commercials, they had it as their holiday title. For that, you kind of wanted to do better, especially when Level 5 saw in Japan that it sold 1.4 million copies in that same time span when it came out over there. Like that same number of months. And over here it's only 400,000. In other words, it sold a million more in Japan. (laughs) Like that has caused Level 5 to kind of freak out a little. And I feel like Nintendo is probably banking on it too, which is why 3DS might be as low as it is. Uh, so now what Level 5, Nintendo, and all of them are doing is they're reassessing things a bit. Uh, Level 5 was saying, their CEO was saying in an interview that they actually plan to change up how the content's going to be rolled out for Yo-Kai Watch, which is kind of interesting. They're going to have some content come to America before Japan. They're going to have some stuff that's only in Japan now make its way to America. They're going to try and basically match up the content better um, and roll it out in tandem in both regions. Mm. I, that's what they claim their strategy is with the end goal being, I love this quote, they want the franchise to, quote, bloom like a flower in half a year to a year from now. I don't know who talks like that, but that sounds like someone coming of age. Like, oh, she blossomed into such a beautiful woman. We want Yo-Kai Watch to bloom like a flower. But, uh, yeah, half a year to a year from now, that'd be after Yo-Kai Watch 2 comes out on 3DS in September, so that would line up nicely. But the thing I don't understand is what kids, if they don't even know what Yo-Kai Watch is, are going like... Man, I really feel like Japan's getting better content for a college. I'm just not going to get into it yet. I don't think well, anyone's comparing the two regions. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know what that accomplishes. Well, I mean, maybe they will see a resurgence in the second, on the sequel. I mean, they might. It's sometimes six time. 
I mean, Street Fighter 2 didn't become popular until Street Fighter 2. Most people didn't even know that Street Fighter 1 existed. You mean Street Fighter 1 didn't. Street Fighter... Yeah, Street Fighter yeah, didn't become used, popular until yeah. Street Fighter 2. Yeah, you yeah. said Street Fighter 2 didn't become popular until Street Fighter 2. You meant Street... Never mind. What? I got your point. I got your point. No, you're giving us... What, what I think happened is you said Street Fighter 2 instead of Street Fighter. Like, Street Fighter 2 wasn't popular until Street Fighter 2, and that's true. There was no Street Fighter There you go. Street Fighter, 2. Street Fighter 2 is still popular. I still didn't even recognize part 1. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think... I, Yo-Kai Watch still has potential. The two-version thing may help. They're probably going to do a bigger push. They're already letting you watch it online now, which is a plus over what it was. I just don't know how letting America see some content before Japan is going to make that big of a difference. Like, the only reason people pay attention to Pokemon's Japanese news is because it's already a big thing. It's not like people that don't care about Pokemon are like, man, Pokemon's pretty great in Japan, but I'm not going to get into it because it's missing this one thing here. Like, that doesn't... No one knows that unless you're already into it. But but best of luck to them because, like, the games are pretty fun. I enjoyed the demo. The battle system's a little weird, but a little shallow. Hmm. But still. But it's not all bad news here in town. Like, even if Yokai Watch didn't do what they wanted, even if the Wii U had its worst month ever, May did help 3ds have a or hit a new milestone of 60 million units sold worldwide which is significantly less than the ds's life to date sales of 154 million units and it's also under the previous weakest handheld for nintendo which was game boy advance which sold 81.5 million units but but in the world of smartphones and tablets and other weird mobile devices selling 60 million 3ds's i consider that a win for nintendo right like that's still a lot of systems and yeah that was the end of my thought <laughs> you're like just, giving me a more no it's um oh no no it was more like um so yeah i guess that's a win but after you said like i know the I, numbers, I, it I just feels it. like man like nintendo's going downhill well i mean it just seems like handheld gaming dedicated well, handheld true. gaming is down it's totally true, no yeah but, yeah I mean, that's why they're moving to mobile that's why we're seeing pokemon go which i'll talk about in a bit like it all they're trying to funnel people back into it, but I don't know if it'll work. Mm. And the thing is, I don't think 3DS is get anywhere even near that Game Boy Advance 81 million number. Nintendo's only expecting to sell 6 million 3DSs in the next year. So at best, in the next few years, maybe 3DS tops out at 70 million. But it's not hitting Game Boy Advance numbers. It's not ever hitting the 154 million DS number. But that was like a weird phenomenon fluke thing. So mm. I guess if you take it for what it is at face value, in the current climate... In the current competition, it's it beat the Vita, <laughs> but mm. it's it's doing pretty well against like not dedicated gaming devices. But yeah, you take the victories where you can find them, I guess. Mm. Yeah, um, Nintendo also actually noted that Nintendo Selects are doing quite well for them here in the U.S. Uh, you mean like Olaf's Quest? Well, what's funny about that one is that it exists. But um, <laughs> so that's what I'm about to get to. Is first they said that um, reprint Nintendo Selects as you may or may not know, those are the reprints of classic games. Uh, it actually, by putting Ocarina of Time into Nintendo Selects, it re-entered the top 25 games of the month, for, and it came out five years ago. It's not very common for a five-year-old game to suddenly sell in the top 25. Granted, we don't know what the top 25 is, so it could have sold 200 copies, and that counted, but I'm assuming it's at least tens of thousands. Uh, but yes, Olaf's Quest, we should mm-hmm. talk about that. Because Nintendo Selects is doing well, they're obviously going to do more of them new waves it's already happening in europe and here in the u.s they're letting third parties in on it i guess because disney's frozen olaf's quest a 3ds title starring everyone's favorite carrot-nosed uh snowman voiced by the mostly hated i feel like josh gad is uh <laughs> is going to what do you do now he didn't I mean, do anything i don't know why people hate him there's just this weird 
Do you get that impression that like people just don't like Josh? I don't mind Josh. I Gad. definitely heard that after Pixels. Yeah, but like he existed before Pixels. He got started Book of Mormon on Broadway. I never was... heard of him before. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Frozen. I mean, obviously after Frozen, I learned that he did have a reputation. Do you remember that comedy? On... I thought it was really good in Angry Birds. Do you remember that comedy? I on should NBC? mention that I did watch Angry Birds, and it was pretty good. Yeah, we should talk about that when we do what we're playing slash what we're watching. You talk about Angry Birds, but. Um, did you ever see that comedy on NBC about, like, the son of the president, and he's kind of like a slob that lives in the White House? That no. was Josh Gad. That's where the reputation came from, I feel like. It was oh. very, like, it was like a Seth Rogen-y character, like, super, mm. like, slobbish. Mm. It wasn't bad, but the I think he bomb. does really good in voice acting. No, he's, he, and he seems like a really nice guy, but for some reason, yeah. he just doesn't have the reputation. Well. Um, but yeah, so his, his, uh, breakout video game is now part of Nintendo Selects, is my point. I'm sure he's not complaining. No, he's getting yeah. tons of money. Um, I mean, yeah, I complained the wrong word, care. Yeah, but yeah, the, the interesting thing about Lost Quest is Nintendo doesn't normally put third-party games in Nintendo Selects. The last time they did it was one or two Ubisoft games back on the Wii, I think. Hmm. But it's kind of kind of cool to see, even if it is a Lost Quest, that Nintendo's branching it out to give third parties a bit more incentive to support Nintendo, presumably going forward. Yeah. But yeah. but the last tidbit from the NPD numbers, this is the last one, I promise, is Minecraft is insanely successful, in case you didn't know. Oh. It uh so on Wii U That's when surprising. The, I know, right? On Wii U when the Mario Mashup came out last month, it uh helped sales of the eShop copy of Minecraft go up by forty percent. What you gonna get it? Month over month. I'm waiting for physical, which is out in two weeks. Oh. My purchase of physical and these eShop sales are helping Minecraft one, it's somehow still in the, stay in the top ten of NPD. It was number seven in May. It's been out for years. And two, the franchise has now sold Get ready for this. Over 100 million copies worldwide across all platforms. Wow. It started as an indie game by a dude in Sweden. He now has outbought a house from Beyonce in Beverly Hills or the Hollywood Hills. He His game is now a Microsoft, like, Trojan horse get millions of people who make Microsoft accounts. And it has sold 100 million copies as the biggest game for merchandising, period. Yeah. Like, that's crazy that all that just happened. In the last few years, from this little indie game that started as literally nothing, yeah, with the weirdest art style too. Like, I mean, yeah. just everything about it just kind of seems like it screams like niche game. It somehow it went and, super mainstream. Yeah. I mean, good for him. Good for oh, them. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm excited to finally see what's yeah, all about. And as I tweeted a little while ago, like I was, um, I was um just um, keeping an eye on the kids as they were on their computers and they brought their library books, and one of them had a book called. I was a teenage zombie, and it was a Minecraft story told from the perspective right. of one of the zombies. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Minecraft, they're doing the education thing, too. Aren't you trying to roll that out at your yeah, school? Yeah, we do have that at the school, Minecraft Education Edition. And yeah. We do do, like, volume worlds and programming worlds, and I don't know. It's pretty cool. But, yeah, like, yeah. it's crazy that all this stemmed out of Their free that. time is just playing Minecraft. I created a, a server for them just called Lincoln World, because we're Lincoln Elementary School, mm-hmm. and... After a few, like after like about a month and a half, they've turned it into like a a weird Disneyland of crazy imagination. That's cool. So that's really yeah. cool. Like it's stuff like that that like, regardless, like this guy sounds so Definitely cheesy, but I'm movie. gonna say it anyway. It's stuff like this, like you know, we always get so in our own heads about game, the game world. Like we we complained and hemmed and hawed and whatnot about like so much in this episode and in every episode, like toys to life and this, and there's the console wars and which is better PlayStation or Xbox and yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, like stuff like that, where kids can just like go crazy, make this super cool world. And they're all doing it like together. And it's like, like that's kind of where it's like, Oh yeah. Regardless of where you stand on gaming, gaming's pretty cool. Like that's one of those nice things that like the concept of video games is yeah. so cool. 
Like, regardless of where he's down, any issue. Because we dive deep. But if you look at it from a surface level, you see, like, that's what kids are doing with video games. It makes makes it all worth it, I say, as a not-game developer. But, um, yeah. So, Minecraft's doing well for Nintendo, indirectly. Selects are doing well. Uh, Wii U and 3DS are not doing well. But if all else fails for Nintendo, like, if these sales trends continue, they can always turn to sneakers. Whoa, Jason, are those kicks the new Nintendo? I am, in fact, wearing Nintendo Vans at this very moment. But yes, that's what I was going to say. I wouldn't know if I hadn't known that those were specifically Nintendo ones. That is true, because they are very subtle, which is how I like my shoes. And clothes. In case you... Yeah, I'll I'll explain. explain. First, um, the reason I was saying they cause sell on shoes is because these Vans, Nintendo Vans, are quite popular. Like, multiple people brought it up to me that I wouldn't think would know about it. If you go to a Vans store, the displays are all Nintendo. Really nice displays. They're really nice. They have, like, an animatronic Mario hitting a block. They have... um, not really animatronic, he's just like a thing on a pulley. They have uh, like six or seven like in-store displays. It's really cool. And, and I missed out on my chance of getting they one. They might restock. You don't know they that. They still haven't. You don't know that though. But yeah, so I managed to buy these shoes. Um, I got the Chuckalo Nintendo dark gray style or something. Basically the outside of them, they're black with a dark gray trim on the rubber and dark gray laces. And then the lace holes, two of them are red. On each side, and the rest is black. So it's so basically to the untrained eye, it just looks like a black shoe. It's basically a black shoe, which is why I need it anyway, because I wear Vans to work. Because we're we're a cool, casual like internet company office. But um, I want something that wasn't too like flashy. So these so you went for something that wasn't exactly. And then on the inside, see, so the outside's like okay, it's kind of an NES controller. I get that. But on the inside, yeah. it's uh, Mario print, Mario three print. And what I didn't realize till I bought them, this could get real weird and nerdy. So the print, it's like a checkerboard with uh, sprites on it. And I forgot that when I was a moderator on the Nintendo forums, I had my avatar. It was a one-up mushroom in a little box. Like, it was like a two-tone thing. There's a one-up mushroom in a box of my checkerboard inside my shoe. I'm basically wearing my moderation everywhere I go. No one knows but me until now. Jason's shoes are mullets. They're all... Yeah, it's, it's in the it's, front, party in the inside. Well, party in the well, back. But, yeah. <laughs> that's just a weird mullet if the hair's inside your brain. Well, but, I was yeah. getting at your shoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I like them a lot, and they're super comfy, as Vans always are. But the, the designs, like, all the designs are really cool. Like, we didn't really talk about this till now, but the Vans look cool. Like, I wouldn't wear most of those personally, because it's not really me. But, like, they're really nice designs. The Duck Hunt camo, the Donkey Kong, like, flat floral shirt with the palm trees. Like, everything is really well done. Like, this is the sort of IP expansion I'm happy to see Nintendo do much more of. Yep. Also, the bottom of the shoes, but not my shoes, say uh, Game Over, which is kind of funny. Like, one sole says Game, the other says Over, so when you kick up your feet with the standard bands, it says Game Over. And the shoes come in a box that looks like an NES. Again, not mine for some reason. <laughs> They're too subtle, I guess. I was actually really bummed. I wanted the NES shoe box. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, so you, the shoes you wanted were... I mean, they're still pretty subtle. They're just like what they call dove colored. They're just like like light gray. But they have um, like a pixelated... Like usually where Vans have the, the white strip mm-hmm. in that very specific curve. The like wavy swoosh. Yeah, yeah the wavy swoosh. It's just pixelated like in that... It's like Mario blocks almost. Yeah. It's like red. Yeah, it's like reddish in that like burgundy-ish color that's yeah. like um, Nintendo-y. They look nice. And, Those were my second. And, and, and the tongue has an NES and, controller on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that one does have, like, an NES controller, and the tips of the laces are NES controllers, and the bottom does say Game Over. So there is more. Yeah, mine has none of those things. And there were, <laughs> and I had the chance to buy them. I was in the cart, like, the night before they were officially released, like, on that Thursday night that I think Jason also got his. Yeah. 
But for whatever reason, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I want to get them in store. And the next morning, they were sold out and apparently online only. So the fun thing about this story is that as long as I've known Angel, he does this thing where he goes somewhere or visits a website like I'm gonna buy this. Nah, I'm gonna wait. And he, as a result of this, on at least three different occasions, this being the third, has regretted it because the thing sells out. First example, this is the only story I'll tell though. We went, uh, when we were in college, we went to Best Buy. They had some Transformers DVD. He went, I think the movie, right? It was on um, like the seasons. Right, they had the yeah. season and they had one copy left. He's like, no one's gonna buy this. I'll just come back in two days and buy it. It's like, he had the money then. He could have bought it then. He's like, nah, I don't really want to do it right now. Goes back in two days and he's heartbroken by the fact that Believe it or not, someone bought it because that's what happens at a store. People yeah. go and buy things. They it was go sold and out look at it. and apparently it was also discontinued yeah. at that point. Like, yeah. It was literally at that cutoff where they just decided to stop making it. And you've been doing this for years. I got like, lucky and later found it at like an off. What's crazy is like, so you, there's two or three times that this has happened where it's backfired for you. There's a number of times where it's worked out okay, but there's so many times I'll be with you somewhere and you're like, I'm not going to buy this right now, even though it's right here. And I'm like, just buy it. And you're like, nah. And I'm like, no, what? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. happened a few times. So, yeah. lucky for you, the Vans uh, Nintendo promotion is going for a little while. It is limited run, but it sounds like it's at least lasting through July. So, they might do a reprint. These, I don't think we're in an Amiibo situation with these shoes. So, you might still get it. Yeah, considering how fast that size sold out, I would imagine they would say, hey, let's make more because yeah. we could still make more. Or, or they're eventually going to do a shipment to stores or something. But yeah, if, if any of you listening... Yeah. At the very Vans, least, I might get those, um, the slip-in... Oh, the Zelda ones? The slip-ons? No, no, not the Zelda ones. They're, they're like... They're not the quite flip flops. Oh, the, 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 they're flip flops. Yeah. No, the ones that say game over. Just the, oh yeah, they're, they're sandals basically. Yeah, yeah, cool. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's um, if anyone is near a van store, go poke around because these are they're really cool. They're getting a lot of positive buzz. I'm sure anyone listening to this already knows this exists, but like, you need to see the van store itself because the displays are really cool. They have like piranha plants for a shelf and like giant question mark. Yeah, plants. it's really like never had someone did their homework. Yeah. <laughs> So because of Nintendo, I, I usually wouldn't consider getting a high top, but they almost made me want a high top. Oh, yeah, top. the white and gold. But the, but yeah, the white and gold one, but the gold, something about it, it was a little too sparkly for me. It also, I've noticed the majority, what I've seen from like just on social media is a lot of people that buy the gold high tops or some, or the white and gold ones are women, which is weird because every van shoe is unisex. Yeah. So I don't know why it's mostly women. They're not feminine in a direct way, and guys wear white shoes all the time. I mean, the damn Daniel meme is about white vans. But nonetheless, it seems like like everyone I've seen that has them are women just by chance. You know what's funny? Like, um, while it's like a small project, like the there's a slip-on shoe where it has um, a bunch of just Nintendo characters, it's Mario characters. But for whatever reason, I guess because Peach is there and she mm. adds a lot, of, like some amount of pink to it, mm-hmm. I just instantly went like, nah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's there yeah. is a Belder there, but yeah. Wait, how know. much of it, Peach? She's just in the corner, right? Um, Are you talking about the peach shoe or the uh, full cast shoe? The full the cast. The, the full cast. No, no, no. This is like a slip-on shoe. Oh, the but, slip-on. But like, it has like Bowser, Mario, you Donkey just, Kong. Like, no one's going to notice the peach. It has like a care. bunch of... I don't know. I mean, if you well, care... Well, also no, like... But... I don't know. Just like the, the cluster of characters is just kind of like... Yeah. It makes it so busy looking. I realize... Like I... the slip-ons I would consider getting would be the NES Zelda ones. The one that looks like a... Almost like a tribal... It look, you know what it looks like? It looks like a Christmas sweater that got printed sideways yeah, on a shoe. Yeah, like it almost it looks, looks nice. It lo- yeah, it almost looks nice to the shoe. Which shoes, is but... weird because I just called it a Christmas sweater, but it does look nice. <laughs> but, like, while I like the design, I don't like the NES Zelda game. So it's like, <laughs> damn it. Like, if it was any other NES game, I tried playing it on multiple, multiple occasions, but 
I just really don't like it. What about the, it's just um, one of those um wasn't born at the right time. Yeah, so I appreciate it. I was gonna say what's funny is I was criticizing you about not getting the shoe. Like, oh, you should get the Mario character shoe. Who cares if Peach is on it? While I wear the most subtle Nintendo shoes they made, they're so subtle they don't even look like Nintendo shoes until I took my shoe off. <laughs> so I can't criticize you about any choices you make because mine are like, I mean, they're really cool. They're literally like if you look at an NES controller, it's black with the like gray stripe down the middle and then the two red buttons. It's basically that on a shoe. But, like, there's no branding on it. There's no, like, tag on it. It's just on the inside. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so if you don't have the Vans, go get the Vans because they are really cool. And I want to encourage Nintendo to do more things like this. So, because it's, it's really, really well thought out and well done. And Vans, I feel like Vans is making a bigger deal of these than the Star Wars ones. But maybe I'm crazy. Like, about a year ago, they did Star Wars. I don't recall it being they quite did? this crazy. Yeah. Huh. So maybe Star Wars let them realize it can get crazier. And, and thus we have this. But yeah, so... Um, Maybe they'll make a Ninja Turtle one down the road. You never know. They seem to be banking on the nostalgia as, like, limited runs because it's an easy way to make money from us millennials. So you Let's never see, know. checking right now. They somehow restocked them at this hour Oh, you're looking night. right now? It's not that late in the night. And... Oh, are they available? This is... You guys, do you realize what you're listening to nope, right now? This nope, is it's live... Out, it's out of stock. Shoe purchasing. Oh, oh wow. Mind. Even more sizes went out of stock now. Well, yeah, they're popular. <sighs> Oh, but if, you're, if anyone's curious what my shoes look like, they're on my Instagram, handles JSR7. It's very meticulously posed. It looks like a photo shoot, but it's just me on my carpet. Or, well, not even me. It's just my shoes on some carpet. Anyway, that's enough news for today, I think. We have mm-hmm. E3, literally, within 48 hours of this podcast going up, and there's going to be so much news then. So instead, let's talk about what we've been seeing and playing and whatnot. Do you want to talk about Angry Birds movie? I'll briefly touch on it. Sure, because it was on Nintendo Systems at one point. As you, those of you may recall, it was uh, Angry Birds Trilogy for the 3DS. So it is directly relevant to Nintendo now. So in order to not watch X-Men Apocalypse... Which is what I saw. Because all of a sudden I don't really have much interest in X-Men films. We went to watch Angry Birds. And honestly, like for what they had to work with, they did a really good job. I mean, I feel it did a really good job. It had a... As a story that actually have kept me interested throughout, because I mean, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting just how they played out Red. The voice acting was great. There were some jokes that actually made us laugh out loud, and well, it does have. A it was just like voice cast. it was we'll just so that. like it was just so nicely, like tongue in cheek that it never took it so seriously. But whenever it did have serious moments, like it was just funny because of like oh it's Angry Birds. Like at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself like oh this is Angry Birds. Yeah, and just the way they redesigned the characters to make them look more anthropomorphic because they didn't want to deal with animating balls like i don't know they just look really good like i really liked how red looked and just um honestly this is also one of those movies where just the quality of the actual animation is just so good that it just it kind of keeps you glued to the screen because you just you just enjoy watching the move like for just a quick example like there's a part where um red is fighting with something i won't say what but um, when he the fig, fo- no. Oh. But when the fight is over, he's like trying to like get himself back up, but he's just having so much trouble just like standing up. Like they could have just easily had him like get up and walk off, but they have him do like this weird kind of maneuver where he's like reaching over with his leg across like very awkwardly, and just the way it's done, it's like wow. Like you usually don't really see, I don't know, many movies just act add flair to these little movements, but this one just adds all these little nuances to the movements, like little twitches, a little. Mm-hmm. Little things that you do notice, and it just makes it look... I don't know, it just has more personality. I don't know, it's just kind of weird to say that, but... 
No, I get, I get what you mean. I know yeah. it was just really nice. It was like they really, really went all out for this movie. Well, it has and, a huge and it, budget. Yeah, so. and it definitely shows. Like, I hope it does good because I don't. Know, I really liked it. It was number one when it came out. Hmm. So you're good. There'll yeah. probably be a sequel. I mean, like, I could definitely see like, I mean, critic reviews. Like, I, I don't. It's not surprising. Like, it's a very like it could be seen as a kid movie. It could just very. The plot could be kind of stupid, I guess, but I don't know if you're just sitting there for the ride. It's a really fun movie. And because, you know, it's Angry Birds and of what's happening, it's just like, wow, like, well, they actually pulled it off. Like, right. Which right. almost, that in and of itself kind of makes the movie feel better than what it really is because of the fact that it's an Angry Birds movie that just tried to make an Angry Birds movie plot. I don't know. It's just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's cool. You know what's funny is like, well, well first, was there anything else you guys say about Angry Birds? Because no, I got another gem of a transition. Um, again, if you're on Patreon, you can pay me for these transitions in advance. But, uh, well, as I say, it's, it's funny because you're saying, like, Angry Birds almost feels like it's like a, not exactly a sleeper agent, but like everyone was expecting one thing and then you're saying it actually turned out to be really good. I feel like Kirby Plant Robobot had that same thing. Like, when it was announced, I was like, oh, or at least we were like, oh, it's just Kirby with the gimmick from Mario Bros. and Yoshi's New Island. Like, oh, instead of giant Mario or a giant egg, now, now it's Kirby in a giant robot suit that just destroys things that was my train of thought when i first oh. saw the first trailer i was like like very beginning when they only showed you can go in the suit and hit things mm-hmm. i was like they've done this before is that it it's just a gimmick for kirby that was similar then but, i mean like my thought was just uh i've been wanting to play a kirby game in a long time i skipped on the triple deluxe maybe i'll get this one and i just never did uh well it's only been out for 36 hours so <laughs> you have time or 48 well, i mean you, i mean yeah but usually by now like i know like yeah, i mean that's true yeah, like we, we, we know usually when we're going to get but yeah, a game. So I, I kind of thought Kirby Plant Robobot was just kind of this like gimmicky thing on top of Kirby. But then I played it and I kind of realized that the whole robot mechanic is actually really thought out. And it's not just a one and done one note gimmick. It's kind of baked right into the game in some really good ways. And it's it's really fun. The game's like really, really fun. In part because of that robot suit. The thing I didn't like at all. So uh, before discussing the suit itself though, I should probably mention that this is just... It is a Kirby game. It's just a really good one. <laughs> like, Hal took what they did with Triple Deluxe and basically built on top of that for the new one. And uh, that means that, you know, you have the same 3D stuff going on. There's the foreground, there's the background. You can go between them with special transport stars. Stuff happens in the background that affects the foreground, vice versa. It actually puts the idea of some pretty clever use. That I'm pretty sure Triple Deluxe did as well, but I never played Triple Deluxe. So I'm going to talk about it like it's new to me. For example, you know, you may have an enemy charging towards the screen, or you may have a thing shot from the back of the screen towards the front, or there may be enemies that are across both planes of existence, so to speak, and you have to either use the robot or, like, special items to knock them both down to clear the path or whatever. And there's also things, like, in the background, if you're not watching carefully, um, there may be a gap in between certain parts of the background. You realize, oh, I can get back there, and I need to get back there in order to collect the things I need to beat the level... So then you have to go find the star that gets you back there. So like, there's actually a fair amount of thought put into it. And um, I wouldn't say those sorts of puzzles of figuring out how to get to the background foreground are hard per se. But they are a kind of nice reward for paying attention to what's going on. And lead to a couple little aha moments as you play which is kind of fun. Especially since a lot of those little secrets are critical in order to get all the code cubes in each stage. And the code cube is basically the equivalent of stars in other games or whatever, where you need to get three code cubes per stage to unlock the boss at the end of the stage to beat the world, to move on to the next world, etc., etc. 
And there's also now stickers in um, Plant Robobot, which you can collect and also find in the nooks and crannies through all the background, foreground stuff. And those, um, they're kind of like keychains in other Kirby, in the, well, I'm trying to blank on the last Kirby game. The ones keychains. Triple Deluxe. Yeah. They're kind of like the keychains in Triple Deluxe, but what's different. Wait, they're in Triple Deluxe or they're in something else? Nope, they were in Triple, right, Deluxe. Triple Deluxe. Yeah, so it's like the keychains, but the difference is now, not only do you collect them and they represent all the different Kirby games in kind of a Smash Bros. trophy way, but you can also apply them to your robot in kind of like a World War II bomber style where you can stick it on the sides or you can cover your robot in custom stickers as you go to war as a robobot, um, which does bring us to the robot itself. So that's kind of so first that's kind of the background of like how this game works as a Kirby game in a that uses 3D quite well. But then there's the robot, which is the new layer on top of what you've seen in Triple Deluxe. And uh, the premise of Plant Robobot is that Dreamland's been invaded by some fancy tech aliens. They essentially terraform the world. They throw a bunch of technology at the inhabitants. Suddenly, Waddle Dees are able to drive cars for real and wear mech suits. There's circuitry. There's like metal like a lot of the dreamland like typical level design now has like circuitry metal in it there's um classic bosses that are now turned into these crazy like mechanized tech heavy bosses like uh you know how every curvy game starts with wispy woods that tree that blows at you there's their trope yep now he's cranky woods and he's a robot and he doesn't actually blow at you at any point but he does all sorts of crazy stuff that like each time you knock out there his health it's like the whole level completely changes it's actually really cool. And there's another boss called Hollow API, which is a hologram. That's actually four different Kirby enemy staples, and you have to fight all four of them as different bosses in one big boss fight. So it's cool how like they kind of took traditional Kirby and like mechanized and sci-fiified all of it into this new thing. And the aliens themselves walk around in these robot suits, and Kirby ends up taking one, and that's why he now has a robot suit. So the robot suit itself, like I said, is kind of the interesting new gameplay hook. Because like with normal Kirby, being able to suck up enemies to steal powers, the robot suit can scan an enemy and inherit powers that way. So in a normal Kirby game, this means, you know, you suck up an enemy, you have four or five attacks based on that enemy. You can, depending on how you do B in the direction with the control stick, you do different attacks. That's, you know, standard Kirby fare. But now when you have the robot, you have a whole different set of B and direction-based attacks. So really, each enemy now gives you upwards of 8, 9, 10 different abilities, depending on if you're in the robot or, in the, or Kirby by himself. And you use the suit and those different abilities to complete certain tasks. Sometimes you need to hop out of the suit. Sometimes you need to go back into the suit. There's puzzles where you have to do a whole bunch of different things involving the suit and non-volume suit, pushing certain things with certain power, jumping out of the suit, going through an area only Kirby can fit, go back to the suit. Like, it's, it's really elaborate and really, like, integrated deep into the game like it feels not like a gimmick it actually feels like an extension of kirby's abilities which is much better than what i thought would be like in yoshi's new island where it's just like here's a big egg it smashes things so it's actually really cool that they baked in the suit as a core gameplay mechanic and not just like a weird it's little really cool it thing. sounds like um the developers of the 2d side scrolling kirby's are actually like learning from the past yes like starting with like kirby return to dreamland those like super mega abilities just kind of kept you in place and you did this flashy thing yeah. but you didn't really do anything. And then it just ended. Yeah. That's and probably a better comparison and then than the egg. Yeah. And then in Triple Deluxe they gave you the like the, the mega the tree. Suck. Yeah. And that one like there was kind of some puzzle solving elements but it didn't really add much. It was just kind of there. 
But it was still better than the ones before. And then this yeah. one is like, they finally figured it out, kind of. And it helps keep everything really fresh as you so play. That's, like, so that's, that's the thing. Cool. I mean, can yeah, you imagine what they're going to do next? The and... Super Suck, you're right. The Super Suck is basically what the Yoshi Giant Egg was in Yoshi's New Island. That's probably a better one-to-one than what I'm trying to make the soup. But the, the robot suit, yeah, it really... They're constantly, not just the soup, but other stuff, they're really... The gameplay feels really fresh. Like, there's very little repetition in that, like... Sometimes the suit turns into a jet, and you're suddenly playing a side-scrolling, like, R-type style shooter like like you know one of those wave of enemy shooters sometimes it becomes a car sometimes without the suit you're handed a game boy and you're actually controlling a robot that's on the background plane while you're on the foreground plane and the two of you have the exact same movement so you need to navigate two planes at once to get this robot to a certain goal like hang a switch or whatever at the end all while dodging enemies or hitting enemies and whatnot on either plane at any time so like little things like that are kind of cool it's just you're constantly doing things that are different and new and it's like i feel like that's actually any kirby game to some extent is that they put variety maybe not in gameplay but at least in stages and powers and that sort of thing and uh i'm actually quite happy with how with how uh, robobot does that because there are a lot of new kirby powers and some returning ones i think my personal favorite so far is dr kirby he looks like dr mario he can throw pills like dr mario he has a little like clipboard and jacket and thingy on his head and some of his attacks are great. Like, if you do, like, the down B, he does a little, like, failed lab experiment where he causes a little explosion and all enemies around him die. You could throw a pill Dr. Mario style, like I said, or, uh, i trying to remember some of the others. There's a couple others. But another good one, uh, is Circus Kirby, who I believe was in Triple Deluxe. I don't think this is his first appearance, but... No, it wasn't. Poison Kirby is the other new one. And, and like, SP and, Kirby. Yeah, those and are the SP Kirby. Yeah. yeah, but Circus Kirby's fun, nonetheless, because, like... When you move him around, he'll like do flips. He's new so, to you, though. So that's all yeah, that matters. Yeah, so no, I like him a lot. Like he's, I think, my favorite Kirby transformation because like he'll do flips, he'll jump through rings of fire, he'll uh, blow balloon animals if you hold B, and the balloon animals are full of Easter eggs. Like sometimes they're just balloon animals, sometimes it's the How logo, sometimes it's Meta Knight. Like it, it's really fun, and like and the stages are um, pretty varied too. Like one minute you're walking through a city, then the next minute you're. Um, in a giant oversized casino running across a pool table hoping to dodge pool like pool balls actually the casino stage is really good that one has probably my favorite music so far um hmm. it, it's really fun but but yeah there's a, all this variety spans six different worlds five stages each there's a bonus stage in each world that combines all the elements of the other five stages and given how much variety that is actually means a pretty varied bonus stage and then there's a boss after that so so fair amount of content. The thing is, none of it's particularly hard. I have yet to die at all. But the uh, constant variety, the the placement of how they hide the cubes and the stickers in each stage, uh, it keeps it engaging. It keeps it fun. It's kind of lighter fare to than like some some platforms or some other games. I like it's definitely lighter, but it's a very enjoyable lighter fare. Like I'm I'm really having fun with it. And if you do want a little more challenge, they do have an unlockable Meta Knight. Uh, like time attack mode and they do have a boss rush mode so there is ways if you're looking for more challenge but for me i feel like the challenge is more just like can you find all the things and all the nooks and crannies and have those aha moments so that's the main game there are also two other games kind of like how triple deluxe does it where uh they're just on the cartridge anyway i only had a chance to try one of them i'll talk about super briefly which is kirby 3d rumble it's kind of like the old Tilt and Tumble for GameCube that never came out, at least in perspective. Like, it's an isometric three-fourths view. But it's not... You don't Tilt and Tumble, you just control Kirby. But it's the first time you control him in, like, a 3D space. So the idea is it's a score attack mode, and you want to hit an enemy and then try and hit as many things with that one exhale of the, of the 
like shooting exhale of the enemy as possible. And the more things you hit in one go, the more combos you get, and then you string all those combos together across four little square stages and a boss, or three stages and a boss, and that gets you a total score for how you perform. They could go back and try and best your own score and that sort of thing. So that's that's 3D Rumble. It's pretty fun. It's good for like a little if you have like five minutes and you want to do something. Then there's also the um, Team Kirby Clash, which is that RPG mode where you actually can level up Kirby and gain stats and stuff that way. I have not had a chance to try it because it's it, you can do it with computers, but it seems more geared towards multiplayer. And Is I've there not download seen, play? Uh, I believe so, but I have not seen another human since buying Robobot until I came over here to record this, so I haven't had a chance to try it. But, I mean, it's a bonus. The main game is fun on its own. Kirby 3D Rumble's great on its fun on its own. So, like, there's no reason to not... If, even if... Which I don't think it does. Even if Kirby Clash sucked. No pun intended. There's no reason to not buy the whole package because of it. Like, it's... It, the rest of it outweighs it. So, I think all in all... Because the Jason recommendation? Yes. All in all, I think, like, it's worth getting Plant Robobot. It's... Um, I mean, the core game's really fun. There, there, there's that. And the robot suit actually is really well integrated and really well done. And does add a new layer. So there's that as well. And on top of that, you're getting um, the extra games. So, like, to me, this might actually be my favorite Kirby game in quite a few years. Like, it's really fun. Like, I'm really enjoying it more than I thought I would. Like, I expected to be like, oh, Kirby, cool. But I'm, like, really liking it. So if you're looking for a new Kirby game, if you're looking for a new platform, if you just want something for your 3DS, this does it. I would recommend it, definitely. It's really fun. And that is my kind of long-winded review of Kirby. Um, well, now let's hear your equivalent of Pokemon Go. Yeah, because here's the thing. Um, so Pokemon Go, yeah, I wasn't going to even try and transition because you kind of did it for me. Pokemon Go is interesting because I've had the opportunity. So first of all, there's a limited, for those who don't know, there is a limited field test, a.k.a. a beta, going on now for Pokemon Go in Australia, New Zealand, and here in the States. Um, it's not a finished game. By any means. It is glitchy, it has bugs, it has issues. But I've had the opportunity to both watch and play this beta of Pokemon Go. uh, On and off over probably the last three, four days, roughly. And it is actually pretty cool. Glitches aside, it is like the potential's there. It's it's really neat. And we've discussed last episode that, you know, it's not... It's not Pokemon in the traditional, like, true sense. It's, uh... I'll walk you through how it works, I guess. And if, and then, of course, Andrew, if you have questions, you can just ask me as I go. But, um, yeah, I, in order to walk it through, it's going to be a little redundant. We've talked about some of this before in other episodes, but to get like the full scope of how this works, once you actually have it in your hand and are playing it, kind of helps to go through the mechanics from the beginning. So it is more of a companion app than a true Pokemon game. And it's kind of worth making that abundantly clear. You're not playing Pokemon with a real-world Pokemon like in your phone. You are playing a game that's inspired by Pokemon and influenced by Pokemon, but is still its own game at the end of the day. So the gameplay is basically in two parts. You've got catching Pokemon, and you've got uh, obtaining gems or claiming gems as your own. When you first open the app, the very first thing you see is a cartoonified version of your surroundings. They take like a Google map and they overlay it with cell shading and they take out buildings and stuff. And it's like, it's like a field with some streets. And as you walk around, the field obviously moves in real time, GPS style, and then Pokemon start popping up. And what you can do is you can tap one of those Pokemon if you're close enough to it and it jumps you into catching mode. And this is where it immediately moves away from what you expect from Pokemon. So first of all, catching mode by default is AR. The Pokemon's overlaid in front of what your camera's phone, your phone's camera sees directly in front of you on the sidewalk, on the grass, on the beach, on the office desk, wherever it may be. And this actually caused 
the phone the phone I was trying it on through this like secondhand access to the beta was um a Nexus 6, which is a slightly older Android phone, and with the AR on, it was lagging like crazy, so I turned it off, and that's where, remember when screenshots first came out, it was all just, like, generic grass that Pokemon were on, everyone's like, are they ditching AR? That's where it's disappearing. If you need to not have the AR active for whatever reason, it does that grass. But that runs smoothly, so that's a plus. But yeah, so you have the Pokemon, you have Pokeballs on the bottom of the screen, you can change them for Great Balls, Ultra Balls, whatever, but what you do is you just flick them. There's no battle. There's no real stat comparison. There's no, like, is my Pokemon able to weaken it enough? And at that point, I can then catch it. All you gotta do is flick the Pokeball at the right angle and with the right speed to send it to the Pokemon and hit the Pokemon. There is an element of chance here. There is some skill, but there's also that element of chance. So basically, uh, the Pokemon where it is in relation to how close to the front of the screen, like how close to you, it varies. So you have to know how to flick correctly, I guess. But then they also have what they call CP numbers, or CP, which is essentially their level. I don't know if it's HP or Catching their level power. or what. I don't know, because it's also there for all the other stats. They don't have experience, they don't, or let me phrase, they don't have a traditional level, they don't have a traditional HP, they have this CP thing. So I think it might be catching power or something like that. But when you flick the ball, the higher the CP, the better the ball you want to use. And obviously, as you go through the game, the higher level your character gets as the trainer the more Pokemon you are exposed to with higher CP levels as well. So you have a Pokeball, Great Ball, Ultra Ball, etc., etc. Um, you just keep flicking them. If you don't catch it with the first one, you flick a second one. If you don't catch it with the second one, you flick a third one or you try a Great Ball. There are items you can use too, which is kind of interesting because you can buy things like raspberries and then feed it to the Pokemon and it'll be distracted enough to then flick the ball on top of it and have a better chance of catching. But the actual mechanic of catching is literally just a flick of the wrist. So it sounds it. like it's strictly like a collecting game. Sort of. So then, so you have your Pokemon. I mean, it it definitely is more strict. It is more of a collecting game than a battling game, for sure. Even when you get to the gyms, which we'll talk about in a sec. But um, once you have the Pokemon, you um, then get more of the same one because you need to catch a whole bunch of them in order to evolve them. That's kind of the weird thing. So the Pokemon you get do vary based on the real location you're at. So, for example, if you're walking down the street near a park, you're going to get more grass types. If you're down by the beach, in theory, you're going to get more water types. Like, uh, we tried that, the person I was doing this with, and we actually did not get more water types. Um, when we went to the beach, we got a Krabby, which makes sense. And then, for some reason, we got a Geodude on the beach. And then another Geodude. And then another Geodude. And here's what's weird. Geodudes are weak to water. Why would they be on the beach? So it's, it's not perfect yet, but the reason I bring this up and talk about like the regionality thing is so we get all these geodudes, and this kind of factors back to the collecting thing you said, because you actually want all these geodudes. The way you evolve Pokemon in this game, which is what's kind of unusual for diehard fans, is you need to catch more and more of them. Each time you catch a geodude, each time you catch an Abra, each time you catch an Oddish, you get a specific candy for that Pokemon. So you... Or maybe multiple. It depends on the Pokemon. So you might get an Osh that has three Oddish candies, presumably. Or a Geodude that has one Geodude candy. And you're only able to evolve one of those duplicate Pokemon if you have enough of the candies. If Geodude takes 20 candies to evolve, you're going to need 20 Geodudes. Only at then, least. At least. Only then do you have the ability to turn... And then, Well, then you just say, oh, wait, I want at to... Most. At most. Yeah. At minimum or maximum. Because yeah. then at that point, it then says to you... Or it then gives you, you know, you go to your Pokemon list and you tap your Pokemon in your list and they say evolve and it just evolves like then and there. So it is more about collecting in that sense that you're not even training them to evolve. You just say, 
I got enough candy, let's evolve this sucker. And that seems fine on the surface because you don't realize until you're playing it just how many times you get duplicates. Like you work the same, you know, you walk the same route every day. You work in the same place every day. You get lunch in the same place every day. So for the most part, you're encountering the same Pokemon. So it's just like five minutes here, five minutes there. You'll catch four more Geodudes in, you know, in five days you have your next Pokemon, your evolution. It's not that crazy in practice. It sounds awful on paper. It's really not bad when you're doing it. Um, but the thing that's annoying is a lot of the later form Pokemon. Like if you have a second evolution, if you have Kadabra of Abracadabra Alakazam and you want to evolve it to Alakazam, that could take, and I'm not making this up, like 350 or 400 candies. You need presumably some other way than catching 300 Abras in order to evolve it to an Alakazam. Uh, this is where you can tell it's a beta because there, we don't, there's no clear other way of doing this yet. Like, presumably you'd be able to maybe buy candy with microtransactions to speed that along, which no. I, don't, I don't like the idea. I think that's a really gimmicky thing, but it seems like that would make sense if it's a mobile first game, which it is. Alternatively, perhaps there are other ways to earn candy, or maybe Pokemon ultimately will come with different candy amounts, so maybe you'll get lucky in like, how there's shinies in a normal Pokemon game. Maybe in Go, a shiny Pokemon gives you like all the candy you need or something. Who knows? It's, it's a little unclear. But what's crazy is that you might need 400 candies to get an Alakazam. So again, it does kind of play into your point about, like, it's more about collecting. You want to get that Pokemon. Why? It is more powerful when you put on a gym to save, to guard your gym. But, like, really, it's to fill out the Pokedex. There's no immediate benefit beyond that. Which does bring us to what you do with the Pokemon. Which, as I mentioned, um, they can go in gyms. But gyms are just one of the different spots on the map. So as you walk around in Pokemon Go... It's kind of interesting that there'll be little points of interest. And they use the ingress system of points of interest. So what's really surprising is they're super hyper-local. Like, scary hyper-local. Like, how do you know there's a random mural on that parking lot? Or how do you know there's a fountain in between these two restaurants on this strip mall? Or how on earth do you know there's a statue in the courtyard of a business complex three blocks from where I work? Like, I don't know how, it must be English players that submitted in the past, but you go and you, these things are marked. And when you go there, it's one of a number of different places. It could be a poke shop, which you can use to go to to buy items with the coins you earn or eventually real money. It's the, it could be a uh, Pokemon Center, which isn't yet in the beta. So there's actually no way to heal your Pokemon currently, but ultimately you go there to heal them or get stat boost or something, maybe more candy, who knows. Or it could be, just a medallion this is the weird one there will be locations you're like oh cool something's there and you tap it because in the game they're represented with these like spinning icons and you tap it and then all it is is you spin a little medallion and it shoots random items at you could be pokeballs could be candy could be um luring tools which are a way to get a lot of pokemon quickly for example how it works is you get 30 minutes you drop this smoke bomb down basically and then for 30 minutes you're just inundated with pokemon they can tap to catch so maybe that's how you get to alakazam faster maybe there's ways to lure certain types of pokemon again don't know because it's not in the beta, but there is this whole thing built in already where you could just stay put and Pokemon come to you if you don't want to walk around a lot. So it's there, the potential. But whatever, that's that's a different item you could get from that spinner, or it's the gym, which is what I was starting originally to talk about. So if it's a gym, how it works is you pick one of three different teams when you first go to a gym for the first time. It could be red, blue, or yellow. And this is where Ingress is like the Ingress roots really shine through. Uh, so in Ingress, it's set up where you're trying to claim as much turf as possible and they kind of just pour that over to gym. So when you go to a gym, you're not battling a gym leader. You're not 
fighting a whole slew of Pokemon of a single type. You're claiming it as your own. It's like kind of a capture the flag sort of king of the hill. Like, this is mine now. And to do that, you have to whittle down the gym's prestige points. If no one's at the gym, you just claim it. If someone's at the gym, you have to fight the Pokemon they leave there. Again, encouraging catching multiple of the same type because you can leave Pokemon at different gyms and then they're out of your roster. They're just at the gym. And if if someone can beat that Pokemon when at the gym and lower the prestige points enough by defeating however many Pokemon might be left there, it could be multiple, then you get the gym and you turn it from, like, say, Team Yellow to Team Red or whatever. Um, also, go Team Red. You're the best team, and you always will be, and that's what uh, our beta is part of. So, yeah. But no, um, but yeah, so the interesting thing about the gym is that's where the battle system comes in because you have to battle the Pokemon. And you can either battle solo or you can battle with another person if they're physically there with you with a copy of the game. So you can actually tag team it. But the battle system, for anyone who's still holding hope that this is a normal Pokemon game, the battle system is nothing like normal Pokemon. It is about tapping. You just tap the Pokemon. So the battle screen looks like normal Pokemon, but then there's no attacks, there's no turn-based anything, you just tap. Now you can press and hold if your meters, if your energy meter is full enough to unlock, to unleash your secondary attack, which is more powerful, like, you know, Charmander might have a flamethrower or something, but for the most part, it's just a standard tap away as quickly as you can and see what happens. Now, because it's a beta, it was buggy, and I'm not sure if this is exactly as, like, strategy-less as it seems, because things were lagging, things were glitching, animations were behind, but it does really seem like you just tap, 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 and then you win. Mm, and again... Sounds like any expectations people had might have been too high. Well, here's the thing that... And this is why I'm really glad I got to go hands-on with it versus just reciting this, because we talked about some of this when they announced the gameplay mechanics, but in practice... It's nowhere near as bad as it seems. And that's because you are playing a game on your smartphone. You are at a physical location that you would not normally necessarily hang out at. I'm walking to an office complex's fountain to go catch a, a Venonat or something. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to just stand there for 20 minutes having a long six-on-six turn-based battle. It doesn't make sense for mobile. So if you don't look at Pokemon as a copy-paste of the RPG and look at it as something more like the Pokemon Snap equivalent to today's pokemon mainline games this makes more sense and it's not that bad mm. and quite frankly yeah, a nice way to look at it yeah and quite frankly the tapping thing is not bad it's kind of fun and the catching thing is really fun and it's all kind of strangely addicting even though it's not pokemon in any traditional sense it is still like the essence of pokemon it still feels like pokemon it's just not mm. one-to-one pokemon i really like that way the to pokemon snap thing yeah, I just I just not seeing it as a Pokemon, just seeing it as a something like Pokemon Snap. It's not a Pokemon game. You do yeah. c- kind of catch Pokemon. Well, you do capture Pokemon yeah. on film, but but yeah, yeah, no. I mean, the thing is, because the thing is, like you're playing, and this is something that a lot of people aren't realizing. I know I kind of said it just to elaborate a little further. You are playing a mobile game. You're playing a game where you're literally being told to walk around and do things, and you're not going to want to stand somewhere for ten minutes, and you're certainly not going to want to be constantly staring at your phone. And there's reasons. And those are the reasons that, like, a lot of the design decisions are being made. Not just for fast battles, but even things like if you're walking with the phone held upside down as you walk, you don't even have to look at the phone to know where there's a Pokemon or a Poke Shop or any sort of location or item or anything. It will vibrate the second something's right there for you. And they just look at your, you know, you lift your phone back up and do the action. They don't want you, like, walking down the street staring into a phone because you want to catch an Oddish and instead you get hit by a car. Like, that doesn't make sense. And that's why I think the Pokemon Go Plus wearable thingy is so... Like such it is a thing at, at all because ultimately this is something where you just kind of check in as you're doing whatever you're doing your day to day. It's just a fun thing to do on top of your life. 
So if you're walking around, your Poke Watch or Pokemon Go Plus goes off. You can actually, from the device, just tap it a few times to perform the action. You don't even need to take out your phone. Now, the one downside of all this, which is something, again, you don't realize you're actually playing it, is, man, one, it kills your battery to leave this thing open all the time. And two, it's kind of annoying that you have to leave it open all the time. Like, obviously, the game can't constantly be tracking where you're moving if the app is closed. Man, that's but like, there's no push battery then. My... Yeah, there's no. But that's why the upside down thing comes into play. Because like I was saying, where you have to look out, just vibrate. Oh, it's yeah, actually yeah. a battery saving mode. It'll dim the screen. It'll stop the animations. It'll only then when you mm. flip it back up, turn everything back it's on. Those are just like kind of constantly running anything, even if it's yeah. half asleep. And what's weird is there's no notifications beside when you don't have the app open. If someone takes your gym from you, like if someone manages to whittle its prestige down and take it over, which like in the beta I was messing with happened. There's one guy who kept coming back and kept taking the gym back, and like. Dude. But anyway, um, yeah, when that happens, there's no push notification. There's no indication anything's happened to you next boot. Could yeah. be a beta thing, but it or, is, or maybe it it's just like, I mean, because we're in a world where I feel like you expect every app to notify you about everything outside of the app. But, I mean, could also just be their way of making sure that, no, you have to come back here. If you want that gym, you actually have to make an effort well, to no, check no, no. the app. Yeah, no, I think... I think the ideal thing would be a halfway between what you're saying and the reality, which I think you're right. I think because it's a beta, it's just not there yet. But the ideal would be you get a push notification that says, you just lost the blah, blah, blah gym to blah, blah, blah. Go reclaim it. And then when you click it, all it does is show you the stat or some, some sort of message, message that you lost it. You should not be able to reclaim it from far away. You should have to yeah. go back. But they should definitely tell you because that gets people who may have lapsed their, you know, aren't playing as much to jump back in. It's what Mitomo is now trying to do. It's pushing a lot of notifications about new clothing all the time. Right? I was yeah. really close to deleting it today. I still have my. I still check it from time to time. I think I might actually. But, but Pokemon Go compared it. to Mitomo, now that I've kind of used both. Rest in peace. <laughs> now that I've used both side by side, like, or not side by side, but both like in real life situations, Pokemon Go definitely feels like it'll have more of longevity than Mitomo. Even if you get really quickly through the Pokemon, they're already there. Like within a couple of days, there are already forty-eight Pokemon caught in the forty-eight different Pokemon caught in the beta I was using. That's pretty fast. Cause, uh, but it starts at about hundred, and they're gonna keep rolling out new Pokemon from then. And they encourage people like go new places, get new Pokemon. I don't just mean like, oh, you live in a mountain, go to the beach. I mean like you'll go to like the East Coast, and there'll be different, somewhat more common Pokemon over there than what you see on the West Coast. Doesn't mean you won't ever be able to catch like. You know, maybe there's a Pidgey over here, but a Spearow over there. And occasionally they'll cross over, but for the most part, you're going to see a lot more Spearow in one place and a lot more Pidgey in another, or something like that. Like, it's it's one of those things that you're going to not be worn down by it because there's enough to do, and it can keep pushing enough new things. I think, in theory, even if you only play a couple times a week, it'll still be rewarding enough in of itself. And the whole, like, tug-of-war with um, other players over gyms and whatnot is obviously a nice plus. So... I think at this point, to kind of sum it up, um, it's fun. It's surprisingly fun. It's surprisingly addicting. It's definitely more, like I was saying, more of a Pokemon Snap than a true Pokemon. And it's still missing features in the beta. No, like I said, there's no Poke Centers. There's no trading. Trading's going to be a real thing you can do, but it doesn't exist yet. Um, so there's a lot of potential, and I think we're probably going to learn a lot more at E3 in a couple of days. But beyond that, I don't think it's going to be out for a little while. It's definitely buggy. Things crash, things lag, things just don't work. You know, uh, you might go a Poke Center, or I mean, a Poke Stop or an item spot, and it just never loads. But when it does work, it's really fun. And it also gets really creepy because it doesn't just, like, when you go to the location, it's not just like, oh yeah, this is the fountain by your office. It's like, 
this is the blah 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 fountain and knows like the name of what the thing is on the fountain. Like someone must have entered that, but nonetheless, it's it's cool how hyper local it is. Yeah, like that's good to hear. Yeah, you don't have to worry about landmarks. Like I don't have any landmarks near me because guess what? They'll turn a stop sign into a landmark if it's significant. If you need it, like anything is fair game if it's in the ingress database. So overall, it's really fun. I'm super excited for the full version because, like I said, it's weirdly addicting. You wouldn't expect it, but it's actually really really fun. And that's it. That's Pokemon Go in a nutshell. Well, not really a nutshell. It's kind of a long-winded one, but hopefully that kind of sheds some better light on how it works for people. Because it, yeah. Well, I, didn't even did, touch I don't know what will. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even touch on things like um, egg hatching, which again I think might be broken, which is why I didn't talk about. It. But there's even weird things like so you walk around and it uses a pedometer to hatch an egg. So you can't if you're in a car, it knows you're in a car and it won't count it towards steps. But if you walk around, it will. And then when it hatches, I think it's supposed to give you the Pokemon, but right now it makes you battle it, and they have to like win it. Which kind of goes against what hatching does, but either way, like there's a lot of weird little nuances that need to be ironed out. But yeah, it's 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 fun. It's good. It's gonna get people to walk around a lot more and be healthy, which is always a plus. So, well, Pokemon good. Go, ladies and gentlemen, coming to a smartphone near you. And with that, I think that does it for this episode. Actually, what? Uh, but you don't want to miss our next episode. Why not? That's because it's gonna be packed with E3 goodness. Uh, no, seriously, our next episode will be our E3 episode. Now, normally, in the past few years, we had a special episode during the convention, a special one right after the convention, and a normal one after that. But to be honest, I don't... We don't think there's enough this time around to do that. Like, Zelda will be there. That'll be great. We'll have impressions of a few other games. We'll have all the news that's discussed. But unless Nintendo out of nowhere is like, by the way, here's the NX, we won't be back into our regularly scheduled uh, slot on June 26th. But when we are back... It's going to be quite the blowout of impressions. We're going to have Zelda. We're going to have third-party stuff. We're going to have all our takes on all the news. And you don't want to miss it. So be sure to follow us on uh, Twitter at RamNintendo if you don't already. Be sure, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, whatever podcasting app you use. Like Our biggest episode of the year, or used to be multiple, is the one are the ones around E3 because there's just so much to di- digest. And we, try and, you know, we break it down for you and we give our takes and everything. So that's the one to listen to. If you only listen to one... Well, if you only listen to one, you already ruin things because you're listening to this one but if you only listen to two make the second one be next episode it's gonna be good um also be sure to follow along with us during e3 like we're both gonna be sharing impressions i'm gonna be on the show floor at least two of the three days maybe all three um so i'll have photos and thoughts and stuff of everything going on there i'm jsr7 on twitter angel is wero w-e-r-r-o underscore o so you can follow us there and uh another reason to follow us on at ram nintendo is we have one more eShop giveaway to do we are We've done three, we're going on four, and we're going to do it during three weeks. So follow along, don't miss that. Um, I think that pretty much does it. Uh, we're in for a really fun and frenzied week at E3. And we'll be back a week after that on June 26th with all our impressions. And in case you didn't hear, Sonic's in Lego Dimensions. Mm-hmm.